you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Look, I'm just wrecking the place up here. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, we broadcast live every weeknight, Monday through Friday. That's uh, every weeknight, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. Uh, we're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. We're simulcast on Blog Talk Radio, BTR, of course, and you can watch us live and by archive. Of course, you can do that uh, right from our website, hagmanandhagman.com. And uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, folks. Please do do that. And we're almost watch thirty thousand subscribers. Yeah, really, we should be demographic. By the demographics, I think we should be pretty close to a hundred thousand. Yeah. And I do know that the numbers. It's interesting. We we can watch the numbers change in real time in blocks of numbers. So we know that uh, there's some funny business taking place with numbers on the uh, on the internet. Uh, but folks, don't forget we've got two two different websites. We've got Hagman and Hagman.com. That's for show information and to watch the program and for archived and live, uh, videos. And of course, HagmanReport.com. That's for show prep, show material, other news of import. Of course, that's HagmanReport.com. Bookmark both. I'm Doug Hagman at the helm, a fellow investigator researcher, and of course, my son, Joe Hagman. We are the Hagman and Hagman Report, something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. Tonight, we got a lot of information to get into. Um, we had, uh, we do have, uh, we, we, we had some things planned for tonight. And then, of course, we, there was some news that came out. I don't know whether you, uh, saw this or not, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and you might think this is absolutely, uh, basically totally irrelevant to anything, but I don't think so. You mean what's all over the front page of, of Drudge? Is uh, it all over the, oh yes it is. Oh my goodness. Oh, oh my god, yes, yes. Prince yes. dead. Well, you know what? We are going to get into this because there is, 
some important information from this. Didn't he change his name to yes, a symbol? Yes, and, and we're going to be getting into this heavily. And, and, of course, I want to remind everyone that portions of the nice broadcast brought to you by WholeTonesLive.com. That's WholeTonesLive.com. Folks, have you been to WholeTonesLive.com yet? If you haven't, go to the website. That's WholeTonesLive.com. Right now, pictured prominently on our YouTube screen. That's W-H-O-L-E. T-O-N-E-S, WholeTonesLive.com. You know, if uh, life really makes you feel like it's uh, running you instead of you running your life, then you need you need WholeTonesLive.com. It's a great product. You can download some free samples there. It's based off the music of King David. And more on that later. But uh, we do have to get into some important information about, uh, about Prince. Now, this is, and, and here's what why. What nation was he the prince of? <laughs> yeah, the the prince of the uh, occult airwaves, but but here's why this is important, uh, folks. And you and you may think that this is merely just fluff and has nothing to do with anything. And, and you know, normally I would say you you're correct. Five years ago, I would have said, you know what, you're absolutely 100 percent correct. It has it's just a a, 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 de- a death of really a celebrity, a singer. Has nothing to do with anything, but let me let me explain a few things here, um, in in why it's important, because it, it does it does it does touch at the periphery of the satanic the satanic elite, the occult. Um, there are things <clears throat> such as ritualistic celebrity deaths deaths. And, and and they involve situations, incidents, both of past and 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 future, with respect to um, sacri- sacrifices to the to God, the, the gods, a small G, and uh, the practice of the occult and Satanism in Hollywood and beyond. And this is particular of particular interest, Prince, because it was, in fact, it was rumored that he he was dead about thirty six hours ago. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. In fact, no. uh, reports My, uh, of his death were celebrity watch. Uh, did well, not alert me. Some research on the social networking sites found that there was a rumor of his death. About 36 hours ago. Well, he tweeted yes. or Instagrammed six days ago, I am transformed. Yeah, and, and the Twitter picture, and if you haven't seen it, his last Twitter picture, well, there was actually two. Uh, one, and, and you've got to look close, and you can't rely totally on, on just, just merely the, the, uh, what the, uh, I'm going to send this to you, Eric. You can you cannot really uh, merely rely on what the media is telling you. You've got to really dig deep and, and search this for yourself. The um, picture in question here, Prince's icon just changed. The tri shades vanished go. to reveal the eyes were closed and the third eye was open. Right. The uh, obviously the yeah, and, and we'll put it up. But basically, just picture a person with uh, round sunglasses on, and then. Instead of having two lenses over each eye, there would be a third lens 
directly in the center of that person's forehead, in this case, Prince. So you've got eyeglasses, spectacles, whatever you want to call them, shades, and then, of course, a third lens covering what would be the third eye. And this is critical to understand because it doesn't matter what you and I believe, folks. It it it, it matters what the purveyors, those who embrace the occult, believe. And and why does this matter with respect to current events, with everything else that's going on out there? Who cares? Well, again, we're looking at an event that is sending a message. There's symbolism here. And the timing, when you start getting into this and peeling away the layers of this really smelly onion uh, of of the occult, then you then you'll understand that there there are messages being conveyed here. And I just got a message from John yes. Roberts, and he's going to be joining us at the top of next hour. He said that he can uh, touch on this Prince okay. <clears throat> issue right. as he is our Hollywood insider. All right. Well, just just sticking to the facts. Uh, Prince, the man known as Prince, um, he was born Prince Rogers Rogers Nelson, and he was born into a musical family in Minneapolis. Let me give you some background here, and then then cover everything here. Um, tonight, by the way, no guests except we'll have John checking in with us, uh, touching base about this uh, and about a North Carolina law, and then. Uh, news, of course, and what have you, but but th- this is important, and, and I don't believe that many, I don't believe any uh, mainstream media is going to touch on this, or any of the alternative media is going to delve as deep as we have, and we we will continue. So anyway, Prince, the guy known as Prince, the singer, he was born as Prince Rogers Nelson, into a family of musicians in Minneapolis. That's his birthplace, Minneapolis, Minnesota. He suffered from epilepsy as a child which subsided over time. Uh, he was really a, a genuine prodigy, according to those around him. He was able to play a dazzling array of instruments, just at will, no lessons. I think he played 27 in total. He obviously projected this very distinct form of, of feminist. He had feminist qualities, despite being... Uh, a male, although boasted of betting women many times. Don't they all, according to Eric, uh, the tech, absolutely. He, he wrote lusty uh, uh, songs, lyrics, and what have you to um, really with with this blatant carnality while espousing this eccentric but deadly apocalyptic pseudo-Christian spirituality. Those are my words based on my investigation and research into this man. He certainly was full of contradiction. Now, he made his debut during disco. How many remember that? Oh, yeah, my favorite time. It was my heyday. Yeah, you, you were you weren't even there. But at the height of the disco era, he, uh, his album, or, yeah, his album, how many, how many young, young people know what an album is, uh, was For You, 
in 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 that particular album he played all 27 instruments on that album vinyl a self-titled album followed uh he had a, a number of hits on the R&B chart but as disco kind of went by the wayside beginning in 1980 um he revamped prince revamped his sound for the Dirty Mind LP, all right. Now, it was it was at that time described and today even as as um, new wave funk, whatever that means, with lyrics celebrating incest, oral sex. Really? Oh yeah, and even some less controversial topics. He polished the formula of I mean, his lyrics. Geopolitics in any regard would be less controversial. Exactly. Well, 1981, controversy was was a, um, one of his one of his albums in 1981. But he he, he continued his obsession with sexuality. And spirituality. Now, now think about that. All right. The lyrics of Controversy's title track were notable for combining the Lord's Prayer with the lyrics, People Call Me Rude. I wish we were all nude. Kind of a really twisted, twisted appearance. Now, on his next release, there was a double LP or double album, 1999. Prince doubled down in terms of his controversial approach to things. The music was less sparse, more expansive, according to um, reviewers at the time. Guitars adding new chords and depth to his music. The rock ballad, Little Red Corvette. Folks of my generation, or actually younger than me, how many remember that, of course, Little Red Corvette? That was a major hit. The album cracked the top ten. That, of course, I'm talking about the uh, 1999 album. Now, think of the significance of this as we're talking about this. And again, folks, is joining us late. We're talking about Prince, the occult significance of the announcement of his death today, what it means, what it pretends to Satanists and Satanism. You'll see how this all fits, that we haven't lost our minds, that we haven't turned into TMZ or or some other kind of... <laughs> ah, that gave Eric a laugh, Eric the Tech a laugh, I like it. But, but see, it, this is important. You might not think so. And again, it doesn't matter what you believe, it doesn't matter what I believe, it doesn't matter what the people on the street believe. It matters what these Satanists believe and what they implement because that does tell us the direction in which we are headed. Now, 
a little red Corvette on the album that cracked the top 10 1999 that earned uh, Prince a movie deal and uh, Purple Rain how many people remember Purple Rain that was uh, created as a fictionalized autobiographical auto, yeah, autobiographical film it presented Prince as a heroic taboo smasher yeah go figure <laughs> of course talking about incest and and such, and, and combining uh, decidedly apocalyptic Christian spirituality with uh, with just insane and uh, unbelievable uh, at the time uh, lyrics that celebrated incest, oral sex, and such. I mean, so anyway, Purple pu- Purple Rain again was this fictionalized autobiography film autobiography. Uh, biographical film where it did present Prince as a heroic taboo taboo smasher. The soundtrack was really uh, really huge. It sold well over 10 million copies. It was his first LP to feature extensive musical contributions from his backup band The Revolution. Think about that. The Revolution backup band in 1985, Prince rushed rushed out uh, the album uh, around the world in a day. That was before Purple Rain had gone off the charts, kind of like you know, just following one or issuing uh, one uh, LP before the other one runs its course. And and that was an excursion into the breezy 60s pop. Kind of a retrogression, if you will, that that left a lot of his fans w- wondering, well, what the heck, what's this guy doing? Well, the bewilderment would continue with the movie Under the Cherry Moon. Now, folks, those most discerning among you, just keep in mind these names. They do have importance in the in the satanic realm. Now that bombed at the box office and won, actually won worst picture at the Golden Raspberry Awards. Uh, Prince recovered from that in 1987 with a double LP, Sign O the Times. That's right, Sign O the Times. And again, you'll, you'll have to, you'll have to think outside of the Boundaries and think outside of the box to understand here what we're talking about. This was a multi-platinum return to a surefire rock and funk formula that, according to some reviewers, now that said, had Prince largely returning to the one-man band routine. Don't forget a child prodigy able to, to play instruments at will, no sheet music, 27 instruments. Yeah, you gotta wonder. Okay, a little bit. Anyway. He had, uh, various occasions from other, or various occasional, various occasional contributions from other artists during this time as well. Now, in 1988, he, uh, pushed out a, an album called Love Sexy. Love Sexy. And people might remember that cover is featuring a nude 
prince. And boy, did he look effeminate, almost transsexual. Hmm? He was surrounded by giant orchids in that picture. Again, I urge everyone to understand the symbolism behind what we're talking about here. Two years later, two years after the uh, multi-platinum sign of the times, Prince was in need of a career boost. And guess what? He cut a soundtrack for a movie. You want to guess what the movie was? Batman. Well, little of it was actually heard in the film, but the album was enough of a hit, even if most critics were unimpressed. But again, Prince followed Batman with another film flop, and that was Graffiti Bridge. After that, he worked in a more generically shall we say, funky aspect or venue. And he spent a good chunk of the 1990s fighting his record label, his record company that signed him on, which was trying to, well, let's just say there was a commercial dispute there. Well, how did he fight back? What did he do in this big, giant publicity stunt? He changed his name, but not to another name, a symbol. (laughs) He changed his name to a symbol until the contract was resolved. And he did did ultimately escape his contract. He formed his own record label, sold records off his website. But think about this now. Everything I said, note the symbol to which used, that he used in place of his name. That is the story, in a nutshell, of Prince Rogers Nelson, the artist formerly known as Prince, and on our YouTube video, you can check out the, uh, oh my, look at that, on the backdrop we have Prince in studio. (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, this is a uh, yeah. what was reported by Fox News. Seven-time Grammy winner Prince, who is known for mega hits like "When Doves Cry" and "Purple Rain," has died at the age of 57. Goes on to say, Prince was found dead in the elevator of his uh, his rancher Park yeah, estate yep, yep. in Chana Hessen, Minnesota, on Tuesday, uh, Thursday. Deputies and medical personnel found the music icon unresponsive when they arrived at his home and performed CPR that was unsuccessful. 10.07 a.m., he was pronounced dead. The uh, singer's publicist confirmed his death to Fox News. All right. And it uh, goes on from there. It is with profound sadness that I'm confirming that the legacy or legendary iconic performer, Prince Roger Nelson, has died at his residence this morning at the age of 57, as representative wrote in a statement. According to a press release, the Carver County Sheriff's Office, with the assistance of the uh, Hennepin County Sheriff's Office and the Midwest Medical Examiner's Office, are continuing to investigate the circumstances surrounding his death. 
And as you pointed out, too, um, let's just go over the facts of the case first. Carver County Sheriff Jim Olson reported that today, 421-16, interesting numerical significance here, 421 plus. You have to understand, of course, we're approaching Beltane, the, the high satanic holiday, and, of course, uh, understand, too, the significance of April 19th, 20, 21, and so on. Uh, but uh, here again, according to uh, Carver County Sheriff Jim Olson, he reported that on Thursday, April 21st, 2016, at 9.43 a.m., sheriff's deputies responded to a medical call at, as you said, Paisley Park Studios in Shinhassen. Deputies got there. They found an unresponsive adult male in the elevator. And as you pointed out, they did uh, do CPR, or attempted uh, CPR. He was pronounced dead at 10.07. I, I, I do want to say that these numbers are of extreme importance. Now that The um, he's 57 years old. He was hospitalized six days before his death, with what was reported to be flu-like symptoms. His representative said at the time that he had been battling about the flu for weeks. He had to cancel a couple of shows, and just five days before his death, he made what would be his last appearance in a concert, showing up at a local dance party near his home. Now, here's what he said at that concert. And again, I, I, I would urge everyone to, to really understand that there are messages being given. He said, wait a few days before you waste any prayers. That was in response to the people there saying that they were going to pray for his health. Wellness. Wait, wait a few days before you waste any prayers. So did he know something that others did not it certainly sounded like it. Not TMZ did report; uh, they were the first ones to report on uh, his death, and uh, reported on the last public, his last public appearance, noting that uh, Prince showed up at a ten-dollar entry dance party because. Listen to this. Because we're told Prince wanted people to have living proof he was still living. What in the world is going on? So, rumors of his death were greatly exaggerated. Well, not really. Rumors of his death were merely premature. Then he shows up at a dance party and says, Hey, wait a few days before you waste any prayers. And then, oddly, he put up a Twitter Twitter icon with a... Uh, with a third eye and then changed it to a third eye open um, basically what TMZ says is this uh, on the day of Prince's death Joe as you had stated a rumor quickly spread that the singer's icon an illustrated portrait of the artist with both eyes closed but a third eye and his forehead wide open was changed right after his passing sparking me into the question what the Prince icon really means. 
Now, one will, many people will say, oh, no, no, wait, that rumor was quickly debunked. Princess Twitter icon was actually added to the social networking site late in March. And that was according to a blog post by Welcome to the Dawn. Now, the article that we were referring to states that many mystical teachings and religions, the opening of the third eye, is an important step in a spiritual awakening. And many will recall this, for example, in many mystical teachings and religions. Uh, Do I need to make this any clearer? In many mystical teachings and religions, please understand what I'm saying here, the third eye chakra is said to help one become more introspective and aware of the deeper meaning of life. Some will equate that to the pineal gland. Now, don't everyone, you know, get all their their panties in a bunch here. Just please bear with me. I am referencing mystical teachings and religions. But the fact of the matter is, what is the message or the message that is being conveyed by Prince to his followers? Are we seeing something a little bit different here? Now, he did reportedly change his religion, his spirituality, and adopted the Jehovah Witness platform or the belief of Jehovah Witnesses. However, that's interesting because he was also said by many around him that that uh, he was more Eastern. He is more adherent to the Eastern mysticism and religion than those that, according to the Jehovah Witness uh, doctrine. But it's interesting because a number of years ago, and you can find this well documented, Prince admitted that he had two other people living inside of him, very evil spirits, and that he changed his name to formerly known as Prince because he didn't know what the spirits wanted to call him. Think about that for a second. There was a uh, there was a, an article in the USA Today. Can I help you? Oh, thanks. Appreciate that. Sorry about that. There's an article in the USA Today. In uh, can you hear the paper shuffling? On Tuesday, November twenty seventh. 2001 on page 5D that talks about Prince the rainbow children how fitting that Prince's resurrection as a pop visionary comes by way of a religious awakening having exhausted sexual taboos the recently converted Jehovah Witness uh, bravely plunges into the forbidden zone of faith taking provocative discourse to a higher plane without abandoning his lust for greasy funk and bump and grind beats. Boy, that's a... <laughs> give some 
picture, doesn't it? Uh, preaching peace and harmony, Prince slams hypocrisy, racism, sexism, and spiritual bankruptcy in his strongest sacred and social statement since 1987's masterful sign O oh, the Times. Periodic slides in the to uh, this dogmatic uh, aspect are, are forgotten in the heady rush of strikingly original music, a soulful symphony of rock, funk, gospel, jazz, hybrids, and of course it goes on. I'm not going to read the whole thing. This is by Edna Gunderson, and again, this did appear in a review USA Today on page 5D from Tuesday, November 7, 2001. So why would I even read that, or why would we even care about that? Well, let me, again, here's the, here's what we're, we're taking, or here's what we're looking at. We're looking at this, this, uh, this death of a celebrity, of a star, of a singer, of dubious sexual, sexual, uh, or gender, of, of dubious gender uh, um, identity, who happens to be dead at age 57, who allegedly died on April 21st, 2016. The numbers, again, are all important. The dates are important. Um, we know that, uh, we know that the, uh, uh, that, that Prince himself, Rogers Nelson, Prince Rogers Nelson, that's his name, not a, not a title, changed his name to a symbol, and note the symbol that's, that's based on a, well, you can, you can do your own research into the symbol. We, we don't have time tonight to get into it, but if you note the symbol, it, it is certainly, that um, it certainly represents a satanic, at least at its periphery, implied, if not overt, and inspired, according to to the man himself, by the fact that uh, he changed his name to a symbol because he really didn't know what the two other people living inside of him, the evil spirits, what they wanted him to call himself. And he's dead today. All right. Now, go back in time. Look at the deaths of, for example, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston. You might even want to throw in Joan Rivers in there but for different reasons. And there's many others. And many others, that's right. But to really understand why this is important, you've got to understand the history of rock and roll, you've got to understand the history of the, 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 uh, the celebrities who have sold them, their souls for fame. And don't forget, child prodigy, or a, a prodigy, being able to play music without, uh, play 27 instruments, um, just talented, obviously. But where did that talent come from? In his ominous statements before um, his most recent appearance, where he said prophetically, "Wait a few days before you waste any any prayers on me." Now he did have a medical emergency, admittedly, on April fifteenth. 
that forced his private jet to make an emergency landing in Illinois, but he appeared at a concert the next day to assure his fans were that he was okay. And again, he told that he told his fans that he's battling the flu. And I went through his history. Now he's married twice. I should point this out too. He's married to a first time to his backup dancer and the second time to uh, uh, another woman. They split. Uh, the first marriage ended in 2000. The second in 2006. Um, and we know, and also too, we know how these stars, these celebrities, these performers convey symbolic, ritualistic, or and engage in ritualistic uh, practices at events such as the Super Bowl and the Grammys and whatever venue that provides their uh, whatever venue they can. So this is rife with Luciferianism, the occult, um, when you when you look at this from a larger perspective, now I will say this based on, and, and please listen carefully to what I'm saying here. This is I'm going to time mark. I'm going to time stamp this. This is 17:42 Eastern time, or 7:42, 19:42, 7:42 Eastern time on Thursday, April 21st. 2016, I guarantee you, or I, I, I shouldn't say guarantee you, based on my research, investigation, you're going to see at least one and perhaps two more individuals of, of, of fame pass here in the next uh, in a very short period of time around Beltane, around the May 1st holiday, or May 1st satanic holiday. Now, because these are celebrated usually in threes, three having extreme occult significance. There was a death in, in that, uh, of a performer, of a, of a, uh, a female actor, of course, Doris Roberts, and I'd, I'd really like to think I'd would certainly wouldn't want to count that, but but uh, these do happen in, in threes, and people say, "Oh, that's just an old saying; it's an old adage that has no basis in any, any fact." But but there is significance and power to the satanic number three, and, and even Pastor Langford and others. And I'm not putting words in his mouth, but but he recognizes that there are numbers of the Bible that are used in the Bible, and there's biblical numerology, and then there's occult numerology, obviously. That's that's pretty much proven. So these numbers do mean things, as do the dates, as do the circumstances, and as do, for example, the, um, the, the, the timing of the announcements, the timing of the funeral. Remember, folks, didn't, wasn't Michael Jackson, didn't he... I mean, it was like 70 days before Michael Jackson was actually buried from the time of his death. 70, 7-0. So I would urge everyone to do the research, do the math, do the look at the dates. And I am not going to, we are not going to tell you what to think from this, except to say, uh, look at this as a 
as a message. There's, there's some symbology here. And even though it, it, it doesn't matter, for example, if it was a natural, well, I shouldn't say natural, but let's say, for example, he there's an autopsy was done, and let's say it, he's reported to have a heart attack or something. I mean, things like this do happen. Obviously, people die every day. It happens all the time. It's not to say that there's anything nefarious about the death. You just, I find it certainly interesting that there was some, some issues. Some, his death was reported a couple of days before, and he proved, uh, you know, just the other day he, he showed up at a concert to prove that he was yet alive. And then again, he made some cryptic remarks at a at a uh, at a concert, ten dollar entry fee concert, where he said. Don't waste your prayers on me yet. What am I getting at? Well, look at the symbology behind this, and also consider that uh, there, this could very well have additional meaning to it. Now, we will be getting more into this uh, with additional uh, with additional uh, information at a later time. But we're this consider this a moment in time, a historic or a time bookmark right now. Consider this a bookmark in time where you're looking at this and we're telling you it's important maybe not to you but to the occultists, the Satanists, the Luciferians that's what we're saying it's important to them, it may not have any importance to you but consider this a a bookmark in time but now you know the backdrop you know the fact that this guy heavily involved in uh, the symbolic the gender bending uh, from way back when, and also the, the symbology, the third eye. Now he's dead on the 21st of April. And uh, this this does, I think we will see meaning from this, and I don't think this will be the last, based on just based on historic uh, patterns. And of course, there's always that you know the statistics that that can be can be exploited to to make any pattern fit into a, a presupposed a theory. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not what I'm talking about here. Just want to reassure you of that. But notice there's occult significance in this. I don't want to spend any more time on that. But I thought I'd deliver this message to those who care to hear it, to those who uh, to understand what I'm saying, and. Uh, from, from there we can move on. So, Joe, thoughts? Well, I'd like to hear what uh, John Robertson has to say on the issue. <clears throat> uh, what you covered was uh, in-depth and, and important, and I think we're still yet to see the, the whole picture here of what's what's really going on. We have a lot of changes in our country, in uh, these, you know, whether this was a regular death or an occult, ritualistic, symbolic death is unknown at the time, but we've had our, our share of those here in the recent recent past from Whitney Houston, from her daughter, to uh, many others. D- David Bowie, and I, I would also say the David Bowie death was extremely significant, and that was extre- covered uh, really, there were a lot of strange things associated with that, and of course with the life of David Bowie. And, and this goes back to things that we talk about, like Laurel Canyon, which was a, a group of, of, of 
musical misfits, but all, but their parents, their fathers, their they were all involved in the government, government military operations and mind control. Isn't that interesting? And this is an outgrowth of that. So this touches on all aspects, in my view, of the social engineering, the predictive programming, all of this together, Joe. You see, that's mm-hmm. why, that's why Laurel Canyon is so important. That's why, uh, Woodstock was so important to have that occur at that time, at that place, because it set the stage for what we're seeing today and for over the last several, or last four decades. Um, and of course, you know, Woodstock was an intelligence operation, a Tavistockian operation. You know that drugs were complementary from the criminal cabal within the government mm-hmm. itself. So, uh, and it was an experiment. It was a social experiment. And it was a social engineering practice to get us to where we are today. And, and those people, and, and please, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, force relevance where there is none. What I am trying to do is, is, what we're trying to do is, is at least provide a, a picture into current events deeper than anyone else will go or at least anyone in the corporate media and few in the new media will go to to provide a better understanding of what could be being readied um, with respect to sacrifices and and what we're witnessing is a complete in my view um, a, a complete sacrificial a very perverse, satanic, Luciferian-rooted, sacrificial rite. And there will be more. And, and we, one of the things that we didn't have time to do, I mean, this was announced but uh, earlier today, and, of course, it, it takes time to do the research, but we should also look at the planetary alignments and, and the timing and the, and the, you know, the other numerical aspects, all of, all of this that, that fits in in order to get a bigger picture, which we are doing as we speak. So it takes some time, but uh, there you have at least this serving as a bookmark. So that's yeah. uh, I thought that was pretty interesting there. Uh, definitely very interesting. <clears throat> um, wanted to hit on this. This is a, There's a few stories that I want to touch on, actually, before we hit the top of the hour. Sure. Uh, one, State Department office removed the Benghazi files after congressional subpoena. Yes. State Department officials removed from the files, or files from the Secretary's office related to the Benghazi attack in Libya and transferred them to another department after receiving the congressional subpoena last spring, delaying the release of the records to Congress for over a year. Attorneys at the State Department said the electronic folders, which contain hundreds of documents related to the Benghazi attacks in Libya, were uh, rediscovered at the end of last year. They said the files had been overlooked by the State Department officials, and uh, because the Executive Secretary's office transferred them to another department and flagged them for archiving last April, after receiving the subpoena from the House Select Committee on Benghazi, the new source of the documents include electronic folders used by senior officials under Secretary of State Clinton, they were originally kept in the Executive Secretary's office, which handles communications and coordination between the Office of Secretary and other departments. Um, Senator Chuck Grassley, chairman for the Senate Judiciary Committee, blasted the State Department's Freedom of Information Act process as broken in January, citing systematic failures at the agency. Uh, this due because all the records from the Benghazi attack were not turned over to the Congressional Committee 
when they asked for them, and this is the alleged story of what happened to them. Apparently, a subpoena was issued for all records relating to the State Department and the Benghazi. How well did that work out for the uh, uh, Rose Law Firm records? <laughs> After okay. the subpoena was issued, the government archived many of the Benghazi records, meaning they received the subpoena saying, we need the, all information pertaining to, we'll say Bible. That'd be like me going on my computer, finding a folder that says Bible, right? Archiving it, sending it away to another computer, not disclosing it, not subjecting it to the Freedom of Information Act, not subjecting it to the subpoena request. But wait, but hiding but it. The, the, isn't the Freedom of Information Act, isn't that the be-all and end-all as far as yeah. uh, journalists are concerned, L- at least legitimate journalists? Redacted. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. But the uh, State Department's personnel uh, who briefed the Select Committee in April 2015 did not play a role in the transfer of these files, They're having, therefore having deniability. Um, overall, this is just, uh, you know, another um, way that the... Democratic frontrunner, presidential frontrunner Hillary Clinton is getting away uh, with breaking the law and being held accountable for her role in the Benghazi attacks on September 11th, uh, 2012, as Ambassador Chris Stevens and three other Americans died. But in her words, what difference does it make? And we will not see any accountability or justice from any Benghazi-related investigation. No. No, and not at it's all. Just, it's just, that's final. Also, yeah, uh... Yeah, Trey Gotti, the whole, the whole, the whole nine yard, I mean, the whole thing stinks. Benghazi is, is, um... A, it's like the 9-11 Commission yeah. with the 28 pages. You know, the 28 pages, it doesn't even matter if they're secret anymore. Um, yesterday, there were some interesting articles, uh, and we're going to hit something on the, on the Panama Papers, too. If I can All get right. my browser unfrozen. But the uh, uh, 9-11, 28 redacted pages that dealt with Saudi Arabia involvement. Um, I mean, the news is picking up on this. It's reporting on it that there was Saudi involvement. There was money transfers from the uh, internal government of Saudi Arabia directly to the alleged hijackers. And Saudi Arabia threatened to pull $750 billion worth of currency out of America and uh, you know that all while our renegade in chief is, is over there on on a visit I'm not sure what even you would call it uh, I read he was snubbed by the Saudi leaders while uh, arriving and they seem to be scared uh, and this brings up another issue a lot of people think that it would be okay to it, it's one thing to release the 9-11 papers for the family members it's another thing to let the family members sue the Saudi Arabian government hmm. a lot of people aren't going to like what I have to say about this but if you allow the citizens of America to sue the government of Saudi Arabia yes, you're opening up the American government to be sued by any person in the world itself well, no, that might not be a bad thing. Okay, but they do have laws right now prohibiting that, correct? Right. And right. Obama, Paul Ryan, and Lindsey Graham are behind the push to veto this 9-11 bill, which would allow family members to sue Saudi Arabia. Now, should they be held accountable? Absolutely. Right. Should our government sanction them? Definitely. 
should private citizens be able to sue foreign governments? I say no. And the reason I say no is because this is what the TPP does, only it does it through corporations. Even though corporations are recognized as individuals, this is what it's going to allow the TPP to do and allow corporations to do to other countries, including America, which will and can have the uh, ability to completely destroy the and, and clog up the judicial system and the uh, gut, you know, any worth our country has. Imagine if uh, family members of, of Guantanamo Bay, uh, people who were terror, uh, tortured, could come back and sue the United States. Well, I'm saying that, that, that policy bad? specifically, I don't know if it's good or bad at this point. I'm just saying that if we allow the family members of to sue the Saudi Arabian government, we're right. opening ourselves up as a government to many, many lawsuits. Well, okay, in, in my position on that And is it be, bad, you know, I don't know. Well, Maybe it's needed. Maybe, I mean, would it destroy the country? It could. Um, you know, you're not talking about some run-of-the-mill uh, lawyers here. You're talking about the people who create law. Right, I, I, and I get so, that. I, I get that. And that's, a, that's a very good observation. It's, it's something that we need to, we really need to, to research and discuss. And, and, you know, what did... For example, what did our forefathers say about this? What did, what did uh, you know, uh, constitutionally speaking, what's the, um, uh, or at least the, the, the legal aspect of things? Uh, yeah. It'd be very interesting. Before we get and to the top of the hour, Joe, I just want to mention. Or, Iran uh, la- launched a space rocket, and North Korea had a nucle- uh, nuclear missile accident. Yeah, yeah. We need, we'll talk about that later, because I mentioned something about an accident it, to you with North Korea you last did, week. You did? Uh, off air, yeah, we're not done with that yet. That story's still gonna. You're gonna be surprised. And, and it's it's interesting what happens off air. We sh- we probably should from now on put stuff on there, especially that we talk about off air because it's interesting how that uh, did play out. Be- before we get to the top of the hour, I just want to mention I'm getting some emails about the uh, about our Hagman report store folks it is not open for business yet it's up it's live it was my fault for putting it up live before it was ready to go uh, however it's, it's coming along it's coming along please 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 uh yes it will be open it will be ready to go for example we've got the hagman t-shirts and such i don't have any sizes Lots. on there uh, i just don't have sizes yeah please please be patient i will make an announcement hopefully tomorrow it'll be up and running just give me some time. It takes some time to build the store, put it in the code. So please, it's not open yet. Please, it's not open. But when it opens, we'll rock. Stay with us on the other side. John Robertson, Hollywood Insider, will be with us next. This is the Global Star Radio Network.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. 
Putin, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by blood. Folks, to this edition, this hour of the Hagman and Hagman Report, Doug Hagman here at the helm, Joe Hagman together, something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. That's the Hagman and Hagman Report. Before we get back to our programming and uh, the first hour, the occult symbolism, the occult, uh, really the uh, large-scale occultism taking place in and out of Hollywood. The entertainment industry, of course, that's big in the news, and I think it's underreported. It's underreported because it's misunderstood. I don't think there's a lot of understanding there, and people tend to just blow it off because, hey, it's just another, you know, another celebrity that uh, assumes room temperature, and, and usually there's an assumption of, of drugs, and, and of course, uh, Prince had this extreme, at least in his early career, this extreme history of uh, talking about sex, drugs, violence, and uh, in particular this incestuous uh, sexual uh, aspect of things. Before we go back to our program, of course, I want to remind people that portions of the nice broadcast brought to you by Whole Tones Live. Whole Tones Live. W-H-O-L-E. Whole tonesLive.com. If you're sick and tired of being stressed and overwhelmed and unmotivated, if you are feeling like life is running you instead of you running your life, you're not by yourself. We, of course, feel the same way, but now you can experience the scientifically proven powers of music therapy with whole tones. They've got a collection, and I mean it's a great collection of proven music therapy that can help reduce stress. It can ease your mind. It motivates you. You can get started today. You can listen to a free sample first. Just go to the website, wholetoneslive.com, and, and, and listen to a free sample of this amazing music that heals and inspires, and that's at wholetoneslive.com. We've gotten a lot of emails about this one in particular. I repeat this often because I think it's important. Uh, I think this kind of sums up the the feedback that we've gotten. Uh, one client stated that, you know, I started playing whole tones, uh, throughout my work day and I was more creative and more motivated plus the work I was doing seemed easier and clearer I had more mental focus now we had Michael Terrell on our show and he explained how this music was inspired by the music frequencies of King David folks go to go to the website 
Go to WholeTonesLive.com and download a free sample at WholeTonesLive.com. Support this broadcast and go to WholeTonesLive.com. That's WholeTones, W-H-O-L-E, ToneslLive.com, WholeTonesLive.com, and uh, definitely do that. And again, I want to—I uh, just want to mention too, our store. We're, we're actually there's actually a Hagman Report store that's being—it's under construction. It's not done yet. So if you go there, there are items there. However, it's not done, so you you can't really check out. But we'll let you know as soon as as soon as it's done, and hopefully I can get this done or have it done, and get it done by um, by tomorrow by the show, you know, by tomorrow. And, and you know, you can get a a, a, a great T-shirt or a mug or whatever, and spread the word because it it's fun. It's something that we that 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 supports us, but also gets the word out to others. But more on that, again, more on that tomorrow. So if you can just hang in there, and we appreciate your patience. Also, one more one more message as well. My book, Stained by Blood, I do have, again, I do have copies left here at the office. I'd be glad to sign them for you. I'd be glad to personalize them for you. All you have to do is go to stainedbyblood.com. And on the upper right-hand corner there, just just order it. Follow the instructions. And um, real simple, you, you can order it, and I'll get it right out to you. I'm caught up to date. In fact, if you order it tonight, it'll go out tonight. How's that sound? That's uh, Or if you prefer, there's a Kindle edition as well as a paperback edition on Amazon. And they've gotten some very good reviews. And, and, and it does kind of introduce it's an introduction uh into the uh oh, into some unsavory topics but it uh, i believe it's done in uh, in a manner that uh you can you can actually use it to introduce others and say see this is this really this stuff is going on here and people need to understand that so having said all that joe uh to you sir we have with us john robertson <clears throat> our Hollywood Insider, and since then he has uh, become a radio show guest, uh, making several appearances on from Caravan to Midnight to the Hagman and Hagman Report to speaking at the Hear the Watchman conference that was held in Dallas. Did a great job there, and has got, got some new endeavors and things coming up down the pike that you're going to want to uh, pay attention to, and we're going to talk about a number of things this hour, from Prince to um, some... Uh, Things that we have coming uh, next week on on our broadcast on our show uh, with the show that John has helped set up. John, welcome back to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Well, Joe, thank you so much, and thank you for uh, inviting me to spend some time with with you and your dad, and most importantly with uh, each and every one of the uh, Hagman family. And you know, I <laughs> I'll tell you, the phones in Hollywood today are melting down, and uh, you know. I'm almost hesitant to say this, but how appropriate that the last uh, visit that I would have with with you and your dad uh, from Los Angeles would be, uh, in fact, on the day that Prince uh, died and we received that news. And I kid you not when I tell you that phones are melting down around this town. He was not regarded, uh, he was not necessarily well-liked by the Hollywood establishment for the last several years of his career and his life. And, uh, you know, what I'd like to do, Doug and Joe, with your permission, is invite the Hagman family to, right now, just to gather around 
Not the Hagman kitchen table tonight. Folks, I'm inviting you into the Hagman and Hagman boxing ring, and we're going to drop a little sweat and blood on the canvas. But first, with your permission, Doug, I'd like to just say a quick prayer, because we need to invite the Holy Spirit of the risen God into this conversation right here and now. Let's do it. Very good. Father God, we just come before you now. We humble ourselves, as did Moses, Solomon, Joshua, and all the great uh, mighty men and women of your living word. Lord God, we need spiritual discernment as we tackle these issues, uh, both as we examine uh, what has happened today in the secular entertainment world. How does it apply to your remnant body, Father God? What can we learn from it? We just need our Ephesians 6 armor placed squarely upon us right now, Lord God. And I just pray in Jesus' name. Father, I, I pray on this show the prayer that I normally pray in private before joining the Hagman family. Uh, and it is simply this, Lord. This, these are my lips and my mouth that you created, Father God. And I just pray, Lord, that you would move my words in accordance to your spirit and your will, that you would order my steps and those of Doug and Joe. Uh, that you would open up the discerning ears of everybody listening to us tonight, Father God. And we just, we humbly ask you, Lord God, to join us right now in the spirit and the power and the authority that raised Christ from the dead so that he may be seated at your right hand, Father God. You've given us the authority in your living word to tread on serpents and scorpions, and that's exactly what we're about to do. And I just thank you for this opportunity. I give you thanks and praise. And most of all, for the blood of Christ Jesus, by whom we are redeemed and by whose stripes we are healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's jump into it, gentlemen. Uh, really, I've got two things to cover tonight. Uh, was not planning, obviously, on talking about Prince, but I certainly have some insight into uh, who Prince was in his career. Uh, I did see him perform once at Staples Center in 2004. Uh, sold out, uh, sold out show. The tickets were 400 bucks a piece. Uh, it was a big deal in Hollywood at the time. Of course, I was not, uh, endeavoring on the faith walk at that time that, uh, that I do today. And what I want to cover tonight is really I want to encourage folks to open their minds and their hearts to what I see as a massive spiritual brawl. And each of us are, are to some degree in this fight. And when we look at Prince, my overall thesis tonight with Prince is that if you look at his career, and, and especially if you look at the careers of some of the musicians that he cultivated and brought up into uh, prominence and fame, you will clearly see a frontline fight between Christian faith following Jesus Christ, and, excuse me, and capitulation into the Luciferian agenda and Satan's army. I'd like to start by talking about the symbol uh, that you touched on last hour. If you look at the symbol that, that several years ago the artist formerly known as Prince adopted, what you see are really the combination of three things. You see an upside-down cross that marries both the female and male gen gender symbols. Uh, that suggests the androgyny of Baphomet. Uh, and then you also see, especially if you strip away the the uh, at the twelve o'clock and six o'clock positions, the the gender symbols, and you you take the upside down cross and remove that as well. What you actually see is a very clean symbol of the eye of Horus or Osiris. Now that goes, folks, that goes back to uh, of the work of our brother Paul McGuire 
Uh, and you definitely want to check out uh, his books uh, for more on that. But we learn from Paul that going all the way back to Nimrod, we see the monomyth of the same little G gods brought forth from ancient Egypt, Sumeria, uh, the time of Mosaic law, all the way up even into the Roman Empire and the time that Christ walked this earth that these are the same counterfeit represent, representative little g gods that I would suggest by looking at the symbol of Prince we are still dealing with today. Now, I'd also like to point out that Prince, uh, Prince's death, we don't know exactly when he died, but according to mainstream news, he died four months to the day from the winter solstice. Now, folks, if you go back and check out the archives, uh, Doug and Joe and I did a show uh, last June uh, on the Hagman and Hagman report, that, and I talked a lot about the symbolism and the importance of the winter solstice with the ancient druidic beliefs of uh, of ancient England. I won't go into that tonight, but if that's of interest to you, you might want to check it out. Four months to the day, Doug and Joe, since the winter solstice, uh, Prince is dead. Interesting. It is. Now, Prince, when you look at his life, uh, he was born into a Seventh-day Adventist home, uh, his father uh, later adopted Baptist faith, but he was also a rampant alcoholic, and part of that alcoholism within the family was severe spousal abuse as well. Uh, now, it is rumored here in Hollywood that Prince was a was perhaps a practitioner of Thelema. Thelema, for the Hagman family, is T-H-E-L-E-M-A. It is one of the primary doctrines of Aleister Crowley the British Satanist from the 1920s through the 40s, and it is also the primary doctrine of OTO, or Ordo Templi Orientis, which I would venture to say is probably the most prevalent, significant cult uh, in practice in Hollywood today. Uh, again, uh, we've covered this uh, on previous Hagman shows uh, back uh, June 2015 as well as October 2015, so if that's of interest to you folks, you may want to go back and check those out. Uh, Prince confirmed his uh, adopted faith into the Jehovah's Witness Church in 2001. Now, it's interesting because right around that same time, a very interesting dialogue occurred between Eric Clapton and a journalist. Again, this is back in 2001. Now, Doug, I'm sure you remember this. Joe, this was a little before my and your time. But back in the mid to late 60s, when Eric Clapton's original band, Cream, was cranking out one hit after another, there was prevalent graffiti all over England, especially London, Manchester, Liverpool, some of the, the bigger towns, uh, that where people would spray paint, Clapton is God, on overpasses, walls, you name it, sides of buses. Clapton is God was almost a a little G-God nomenclature that was assigned to Eric Clapton at the time because he was such a guitar virtuoso. In 2000, right around the time Prince announced his entrance into the Jehovah's Witness faith, a journalist uh, asked Eric Clapton the following question, quote, how does it feel to be the greatest living guitar player? And Clapton responded, quote, I don't know, ask Prince. My suggestion, going back to Prince's symbol, is it possible that through this it completely admitted musical virtuoso, perhaps one of the most talented musicians, singers, songwriters, and developer of other artists in modern pop culture, uh, is it possible, Doug and Joe, that we are looking at a, a representation of a counterfeit little G-God 
just the same as Paul McGuire has explained to all of us previously when we examine Nimrod and all of the little g-gods following, typically represented by the all-seeing eye, the eye of Horus slash Osiris. Certainly. As, as also... Well, suggested by the um, uh, the icon with Twitter as it relates to Prince, despite the uh, controversy surrounding its its posting and reposting and uh, and such. But yes, the short answer is absolutely, absolutely. Well, the uh, I I said a moment ago, folks, that when you look at the death of Prince today, I would encourage the remnant body of believers those of you who understand that we truly are in the 11th hour, 59th minute, I was speaking to, I believe it was Coach Dave yesterday, and I said, Coach, I feel like we are at the the end of the age of the church, and we are emerging into the age of the coming, the second coming of the Messiah. When you look at Prince and his career, you can actually see that spiritual battle personified. Let me, uh, let me uh, extrapolate that a little bit. Vanity. Okay, Vanity was born Denise Katrina Matthews, and she passed away just a couple of months ago in February at the age of 57. She was she was a beautiful woman. Uh, she had a huge career in the uh, mid 80s up to about the early 90s, and I chose intentionally not to go into some of her uh, song catalog and discography because, frankly, the some of the titles and what they what they would imply are not really appropriate for the Hagman and Hagman Report. But suffice it to say, Vanity. Uh, was uh, was a protege of Prince. Uh, I will say this: she was known as being a very attractive woman who would perform in skimpy lingerie that would really be more appropriate. Well, appropriate in quotes in a Victoria's Secret uh, catalog. Uh, but she died at age fifty-seven, Doug and Joe, back in February, and this is where it gets personal. And you, just to be clear, just to be clear, folks, we're talking about the singer Denise Katrina Matthews. Correct. Born uh, January fourth, nineteen fifty nine, in Niagara Falls, Canada. Just, just to be clear. But go ahead. Thank you, Doug. Uh, so when we look at Vanity's life, and she was one of the original musical proteges. Now Prince brought up Vanity. He brought up Sheila E. He worked with Sheena Easton. Uh, obviously, Apollonia. We'll talk about her in a moment. Uh, he wrote songs for the Bangles. He wrote Manic Monday. He wrote uh, Nothing Compares to You for Sinead O'Connor. Folks, these are huge hits. These are the kind of songs that, you know, make $10, $15 million easy off of one song. So Prince's influence far superseded Prince, the the rock funk persona. Back to Vanity, Denise Katrina Matthews. In 1994, she overdosed, seriously overdosed on crack cocaine. And in the course of that overdose, Doug and Joe, she says, and this comes from uh, faithfullymagazine.com. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This comes from therap.com. Uh, that's where I grabbed the quote. She said that Jesus appeared to her, and he said, quote, now this is a quote, from Vanity, OD'd on death's door, as she states, Jesus appeared to her. And he said, quote, give up your vanity persona, and I will save you. Let's pause for a moment. Let that sink in. Give up your vanity persona, and I will save you. Now, we can doubt the veracity of that comment. We can doubt Denise Katrina Matthews. What we cannot doubt is you can go on YouTube and watch her testimony given in the pew of a, of a church where with tears flooding her eyes, 
she she proclaims redemption by the blood of Christ, and she says that when she was working with Prince, she was so strung out on cocaine that she would have rather been dead, and that Jesus Christ saved her. Quote, give up your vanity persona, and I will save you, unquote. Interesting. Isn't it? In telling. You know, I think and so. People, and, and, and folks, you've got to, you, you've got to, when we talk about this, and, and I just want people to really understand, we are talking about a level, um, we're talking about things that, that are taking place at, at, a, at a spiritual level that at least manifests itself at a spiritual level, In at least in my view, based on my research and investigations. That most people ha- don't have a clue exist exists, or if they do, they might get a taste of it, but they don't understand or comprehend the the depth at which this uh, perversion and this spiritual battle, the battle between good and evil, operates. So we are seeing um, this play out in real time in the theater. Well. In the real theater, that theater meaning the theater of entertainment, but also in the theater of uh, good versus evil. I mean, it, 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 so yes, and it's important, really. I, I believe it's it's not critical or vital, but it's important nonetheless for people to understand what we're seeing, why we're seeing it now, and what this portends. So go ahead, sir. Doug, very well said. You just hit the nail on the head. And, folks, I just want to reiterate and and compliment what Doug just said. In my opinion, it is a studied opinion, both through open source material, but also through 16 years of working in Hollywood. What we're seeing, it's almost like, Doug and Joe, it's almost like God loves his people, both saints and sinners, Okay, and I sometimes day by day I wonder which side of those tracks I'm supposed to stand on. You know, it almost depends on when the last time I prayed was. It feels like sometimes to be completely blunt about it. And you know, he he loves us so much, folks, that he's if if you're not paying attention to what's going on with Trump and with this crumbling uh, democratic process and and with the with the the disappearance of our once great republic sort of sailing off the horizon of of of, of, of morality. If if you're not paying attention to that, well, maybe you're paying attention to the banking situation and the global credit freeze. But if you're not paying attention to that either, you might be paying attention to Prince. And if you are, that's why I'm talking with all of you this evening about this, because it is germane in as much as you're witnessing through the lives of very famous, very wealthy people who have lived a lifestyle that most of us will never know. I've witnessed it, but I have not lived it. And... And I believe God is literally giving us the opportunity to examine the times we're living in. And when we jump, when we switch gears here in a few minutes, gentlemen, to our show this upcoming Wednesday night, which I'm so excited about, I just can't hardly stand it. But we're going we're gonna to touch on that. We're witnessing the personification, both in the secular mainstream music world, as well as the political arena, the banking arena, the GMO food fluoridated water world, the militarization of police, you name it, all the way across the board, regardless of what piques your interest, whether you read Drudge Report or Huffington Post, it's all right there. And in my humble opinion, it's because God loves his creation enough 
that he's he's ringing all the alarm bells. If you don't pay attention to the Drudge Report, well, maybe you're paying attention to TMZ.com today. Back to Prince. Uh, Sheila E., uh, who it was a, a drummer, a Latin-style drummer, uh, as well as MC Hammer, uh, they uh, uh, lamented on the death of De- Denise Katrina Matthews, Vanity. Uh, and interestingly, it gets kind of personal because Vanity died in Fremont, California, which is where I was born, Doug and Joe. And MC Hammer uh, has made his home in Fremont for like 25, 30 years. And he and Sheila E. went on record with FaithfullyMagazine.com talking about their Christian faith uh, relevant to Vanity's acceptance of Jesus Christ in 1994. And the bottom line, folks, is this. Vanity excuse me, died in February 2016. But by her own admission and by her testimony, she accepted the blood of Jesus Christ in 1994. And that's what matters in Vanity's, you know, life or the end of it uh, at this very moment. And that's really, at the end of the day, all that matters for all of us. Uh, I want to also mention that Sheila E. Uh, was noted in ChristianHeadlines.com. Uh, she talked about her own conversion to Christianity. Now, Sheila E. was another very attractive woman. Prince groomed her. He brought her into the mainstream world. She sold a lot of records. And she capitalized on her sensuality as well. She had a couple of huge hits in the 80s and early 90s. But again, ChristianHeadlines.com, May 28, 2002. Uh, Sheila E. talked about her conversion, her uh, redemption through Christ. And then she talked about her recently released CD entitled Heaven, uh, specifically pointing to songs with titles such as Joy, Waiting for You, River God, and Revelation. So again, we we know that Prince adopted the Jehovah's Witness faith in 2001, but looking deeper into what they called the family, we see that God got a hold of Vanity, of Denise Katrina Matthews, and Sheila E., and MC Hammer. Now, MC Hammer was not really part of the, the, uh, the Prince um, uh, the uh, Prince family, as it were. But nonetheless, he went on the record professing his faith uh, in reminiscing about uh, Denise Katrina Matthews' death. Now, I want to flip the script for a moment. This is the last bit I want to give you folks on Prince, and I kind of saved the the dark element for last. Um, we talk, let's talk for a minute about Apollonia. Now, Apollonia uh, was part of uh, Prince's band, The Revolution, in their big hit-making days, uh, post-Purple Rain, uh, through Sign of the Times and some of the records that you mentioned in the last hour, uh, Doug. And uh, Apollonia said, in, re- in reference to Vanity's death, quote, this is from uh, yourweb.com, quote, a truly sad day for all of us who have been a part of the Prince family. Vanity was an inspiration for me and for all the ladies of the capital F family who followed. Remember what I said 15 minutes ago, folks. The rumor in Hollywood is that Prince was a practitioner or at least a subscriber to the Ordo Templi Orientis doctrine as pinned by Aleister Crowley of Thelema. Thelema is prevalent on Jay-Z's hoodie. It starts out, do what thou wilt. And then it says that love shall be the whole of the law. Incidentally, uh, uh, John B. Wells and I had a a great dialogue about that uh, last year on one of his shows. Um, and so let's take a look at Apollonia. Her name is the feminized uh, 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 Apollyon, who Tom Horn has talked about as being one of the little G gods, who Tom Horn, much like Paul McGuire's research, believes 
are a counterfeit that are quote-unquote reincarnated spiritually over and over again by Satan to deceive those who are not protected and, and under the blood of Christ. In speaking about Apollonia, uh, Vanity's counterpart, uh, they occupied the same place in Prince's band. Uh, Apollonia was the co-star of the uh, 1984 film Purple Rain, and there is a scene, Doug and Joe, in Purple Rain, where Apollonia is indicating to Prince that she wants to join his band, The Revolution. Okay, Apollonia, feminized Apollyon, wants to join The Revolution. And Prince is chiding her. He's sitting on his motorcycle, and he says, well, if you want to join the revolution, you need to purify yourself in the waters of Lake Titicaca. Well, Apollonia uh, is game to do so, and she wants to join the, the revolution, so she strips down and wades out into a lake that they are uh, standing next to, and she freezes, and she splashes around for a moment, and she shows lots of, you know, plenty of skin in the scene. And then Prince laughs, and he looks at her, and he says, that's not Lake Titicaca. So the final word I have on Prince for this evening is that Lake Titicaca, as pointed out by our friend Timothy Alberino, uh, is actually uh, on the border of Peru and Bolivia, and it is not only a highly symbolic uh, geographic location for the occult, but it has been suggested by men who have researched this for much longer than I that it is in fact the location of a very powerful intersection of ley lines where in fact going back even to our deceased brother Marcus's um, uh, reports on the Hagman and Hagman report back in 2012 that these portals are opening and that we are now uh, under a demonic invasion from the second gate folks again at Lake Titicaca in Peru on the border of Bolivia and Prince tells Apollonia, if you want to join the revolution, you must purify yourself in the waters of Lake Titicaca. That's what I have tonight for you for Prince, gentlemen. Interesting. And, and part of uh, another little little uh, tidbit, uh, this by uh, a listener, Nicholas. Thank you, Nicholas. And emails come fast and furious during our program. Prince's guitar player, Des Deckerson. In the revolution, reportedly became a born again believer in, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, as well. The interesting, the revolution did become a spiritual revolution, or so it seems, and it does fit well within the um, not the official narrative or accounting, but the uh, uh, the spiritual battle that we are. In, in which we are embroiled, and, and I just I, and I say all of this, and and again I want to remind people that this is not he didn't actually accidentally turn into uh, you know American bandstand after dark, okay? Um, you know, uh, yeah, this is this is relative and germane to the uh, to the facts that uh, that we are seeing this. Uh, this incredible spiritual battle taking place, and we're seeing the battle for souls, and we're seeing this this war that is uh, overt, and some of it occult, meaning hidden, as well as occult, meaning perverse. So, but don't trust, folks. Do not trust what the media is reporting um, in and of itself. Don't take for granted, and these are just my words of caution from an investigative perspective. Don't, don't take um, 
the uh, official story for granted as, as, as the truth. Search what we're telling you for yourself and understand where this all fits into both the past as it relates going all the way back to the plains of Shinar and the Tower of Babel and the you know, search for the one world, new world order, one world government. And it's interesting, too, you point out that there there was a level of knowledge and rebellion or revolution by Prince in the latter times. Um, you know, uh, so, okay, this is very, very interesting. Extremely Absolutely. You know, he is speaking just quickly of the of the level of rebellion, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. I touched on this uh, at last month through the Watchmen Conference, and Doug and Joe, I wanted to say incidentally, one of the one of the greatest blessings of being down there was just being able to hang out with you guys. You know, I got to spend some time with your wives and and uh, had a great little lunch with Joe and 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 uh, and and both your wives, and it was just such a blessing to be able to just spend some sort of like almost some downtime, a little decompression time, you know, just to be able to crack a few jokes and, and break bread. And, and, you know, when we're on air together, of course, we're usually dealing with some pretty heavy stuff. And, and I think that it is incumbent on us to do so. I believe it's why the Lord has given us the opportunity to do so. But it was just great to spend time with both of you. And, and like I said, get to know your families a little bit. So, you know, God bless you both. That was, that was really one oh, of my thank favorite you. parts um, of the end was- yeah, it was great to great to spend time with you. And if I may, just very quickly, Joe, and I, 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 I want to mention this too. You know what? I, I really want to wish uh, my wife a very happy birthday today. Today is her birthday. It's a big day for her. She, um, uh, God bless her. I, I don't think I could. Certainly, I know I could not uh, do what I do without my beautiful wife. She keeps uh, us in uh, line. Yes. And, uh, yeah, and happy you know, birthday. And, uh, 25 lovely years married, uh, and I, we've known her and been together with her, uh, known her, I should say, for, for, uh, longer than that. So. Not only is it her birthday today, but your birthday nah, is we don't tomorrow. need to talk about that. We don't need to talk about <laughs> tomorrow. That, so. You'll be what, 68? Yeah. 78? Shh. Uh, Joe, get your hand off the can of beans. <laughs> uh, but anyway, just, uh, just, uh, I just want to wish again, uh, I want to wish my wife, sorry to take your time up, but I do have to, I do want to do this. I, I want to wish my lovely wife, uh, uh, who I love dearly a, a very happy birthday today and, um, Thank you. So anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, I, let me just ask you, God bless you, Doug. You know, we, we, I had not ever had the opportunity to really just have some one-on-one fellowship with her. And, you know, we sat there and had lunch and, and, and Joe and his amazing wife as well. And a couple of the other people who were, that was what was so cool about that, about being all together in Dallas is a couple of people just joined us because there were seats at the table. And I'm sure they were, you know, were thrilled to be uh, able to, to interact with Joe and with the folks, you know, with the women that support, I mean, to understand this folks that without these women who back Doug and Joe up there is no Hagman and Hagman report okay and you know Doug your wife said something to me that really touched my heart she looked at me and she said you know I still have the first letter that you ever sent us and I thought oh that's such a sweet thing to say and then she actually quoted a couple of things that I wrote in that letter Doug I wrote that letter to you guys like what three or four years ago I mean, oh, yeah. that was really yeah. cool. Uh, she's a very special lady. And, you know, you, the next book you should write is How I Managed to Get a Woman Like That by Doug Hagman. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it kind of is in the first 
curse book a little bit, but <laughs> but, but, but you know, yeah, and, and it's it's one thing that, uh, that that we do, and and she makes sure that that we do is uh, she handles all the incoming mail, which which is one of the reasons why you know we get some pretty pretty good we, we get marvelous mail, um, postal mail from just so many great fantastic listeners and people, and, and occasionally and, and this is what 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 angers me, and, and I must repent for for my anger, but you know we we get some um, some uh, idiots that that send us. Uh, you know, their, uh, uh, shall we say, used DNA in package form. And, and when, when, you know, when, when my wife is subjected to that, I, I tend to get a little bit angry. And, um, but having said all of that, it's all good anyway. And, uh, it's, it's all, but, but, you know, everyone is under, and I, and I should mention this because of that, everyone is under attack. Those truth seekers and truth tellers in the, in the new media, and I don't care whether it's Alex Jones or J.B. Wells or Rick Wiles or you name the insert the name here. Uh, if we if we are talking about current events through a biblical perspective or even at the periphery of of Bible scripture, we are under attack, and the attacks are increasing, folks. And it's going to happen to you. That's not you to say it. you know. It's not to say woe is us because we're far from it. But it's it's to say. Oh, you know, buckle up because that's going to happen to you, and it may not be at the level or severity that that we see it, but it's going to happen to you, and it's going to it's going to begin to encroach, you know, among your families, and it's going to cause divisiveness, and it already is in a, in a large part. I get the letters, we get the letters too, and our, you know, my wife, uh, she, you know, she'll show me, and I mean, sometimes it'll. She'll show me a letter with tears in her eyes and say, you've got to really reread this. And, you know, um, it, it's so many people are suffering so much, and that suffering is only going to increase. But we have in our corner, in our favor, and with us, the promise that, uh, well, the promise of our Lord and Savior. So, go ahead, John. Amen. Thank you so much. You know, Doug, I just... I have a favor to ask, and normally I wouldn't put you on the spot like this, but I, I want to I want to talk about uh, this upcoming Wednesday, April twenty seventh show. If but I I have to, it's, I, I feel spiritually moved right now. If you can hold me over for a couple minutes into hour three, I, I'd like to tell a quick story to the Hagman listeners that that's about obedience and how God uses. Well, it goes back to a Derek Prince sermon, one of my favorites, which is about hearing the voice of God. And in so doing, how if you choose to be obedient, he will he will bless you. Um, so if if you've got if you can spare ten minutes on the other side of the break, I'd I'll, I'll I'd like to tell that story if, if you guys are into it. Absolutely, I actually got a stack of note cards here I was doing yesterday on an, uh, the topic of obedience, John. So that'll be oh good. cool. Okay, well let's do this. We've got about what about ten twelve minutes until the top until the bottom of hour two. So let's let's jump into next Wednesday because man. Doug, you talk about us being under attack, and let me, folks, you better believe it. Now, you know, I'm fairly new, uh, around the, uh, around the shows. You know, God has been so trusting in me, and I, I, I sometimes pray with such a repentant and humble spirit. I'm like, Lord, why me? I mean, granted, my last name starts with R, but he was, he was at the absolute back of his Rolodex, folks. And, 
and and yet he just I, I guess it's it's like we often say he doesn't call the qualified he, he qualifies the called and it can get really scary sometimes and you know I, I'd like to say right now on the Hagman and Hagman report here on on uh, on the twenty first that we are just a, a lockstep shoulder to shoulder uh, you know chest upon back type of army right now that's about to march right through the gates of hell and trample on, and trample on those serpents and scorpions. But folks, whereas that passion may live in our hearts and pray it into existence every day, we're not there yet. To be perfectly frank, I recall the words of my sensei when I used to study Shotokan. We used to do our katas, our forums, and he used to say, ah, like ripples on a pond. And that's what we need to go from our ripples on a pond attitude even in some cases toward one another. Well, you're to this denomination, and I'm that. And, and I had a, a, a talk with Pastor Langford earlier today, and we'll touch on that in a second. We, we talked about the denomination issue, and he shared some insights with me. But, folks, here's what we're going to do. Wednesday, April 27th, this is going to be... Uh, what, well, Doug, it goes back to our conversation three weeks ago. This topic is something that each and every one of you needs to hear. We're bringing to the Hagman and Hagman Report some of the most anointed, let's just call them what they are. I mean, this is some of God's heavy artillery that we're putting on the air uh, five, uh, six days from today. The title of the show, Doug and Joe, Hagman family, for Wednesday, April 27th, Where is the Church? Are the Epistles Lost in the Mail? And what we're going to deal with is, where is the American Church today? Okay. This isn't going to be a slam fest on the institutional church. We're not going to sit here and wring our hands and, and, and crank up the volume on the echo chamber. Oh, woe is me. The mega churches are, are defiling the temple and they've monetized, you know, the, the money changers are in the foyer with the latte cards and the pastor's bestseller. We're not going to do that next Wednesday night, folks. What we're going to do is we're going to take a really bare bones look at. We're going to go into a deep analysis of where the American church is today. What is it doing correctly? Where is it uh, going wrong? Is there a leadership vacuum in the pulpit? And with all of this being looked at, being sort of placed out on the Hagman kitchen table, if you will, next Wednesday night, how do the Christian internet shows serve the remnant body? Hagman and Hagman Report, True News, The Weekend Vigilante, Caravan to Midnight, uh, Coach Dave show, Voice of Evangelism. How do these shows serve the remnant body, and where do they fall short? Because, of course, we know from Acts chapter 2, Doug and Joe, that there is a five-fold ministry of the original church, okay? And, and whereas these, these Christian Internet radio shows, and folks, understand for a moment that in the larger media demographics, Internet radio is brand new. It may seem kind of old school to some of us because we've been with the Hagman since the beginning or since they went to the daily format. But most Americans out there don't even know what Internet radio is yet. We are at the precipice. We're not, at, we're not close to the finish line. We're on the starting line. And how do these shows serve the remnant body? But where do they also fall short? Because because part of, of fellowship and part of the church is the reciprocity of of blessing and of anointing and of admonishment and, and accountability. So by their very nature, whereas Doug and Joe may be leaving a pint of sweat, pint of blood on the mics every night, it's it's 
more or less a one-way communication, and God bless you both. I know how many emails you answer. Actually, I don't, but I have a pretty good idea of how many emails you answer a day, and I know that you make yourselves as available to the listeners as possible, and so so does JB over at Caravan and Sheila and and Coach Dave. But it's generally a one-way communication, so it cannot take the place of the church. You know, as Brother Flip pointed out to me on the phone uh, three weeks ago, Doug, I think it was the same day that we talked about this show idea, Christ will build his church. We are to be obedient. We are to be like Nehemiah's men, shovel in one hand, sword in the other, okay? A a mason trowel in one hand and a spear in the other. Uh, I liked what Flip had to say uh, last week when we spoke. He said, John... So many of you guys are aggressive and you're, and, you're, and you're anxious and you want to get in and you want to build that wall, referring to Nehemiah. What we need to do now, Brother Flip said, is just keep, uh, uh, stay focused and just keep digging those fence post holes and trust that Jesus Christ will build his church because that's what the inerrant word of God tells us he's going to do. And that's a, man, Doug and Joe, that is a challenging place to be, brothers, because you know, guys like myself and Mike and Chance and, and all of the all of the the guests that you, that you bring on, you know, with Paul McGuire and Russ Dizdar and Steve Quayle, we, we see this obvious void, and it's very natural. It's a, it's a natural inclination of man to want to give everything we've got to fill it. But as Flip gently reminded me last week, Christ will build his church. So back to next Wednesday's show, we are bringing on some serious insight and and some serious scriptorians, men who have been in the fight for Christ for the majority of their lives, and they have been ridiculed, they've been maligned in the mainstream media by friends and even family for what they believe. Uh, Doug, with your permission, I'll just go ahead and give folks the batting order right now. Yeah, go for it. All right. Well, uh, first of all, on Wednesday the 27th, uh, for the first couple of minutes of hour one, I want to, it's my pleasure to introduce the Hagman listening family to, uh, a gentleman who is 19 years, uh, military service. Uh, Doug, you looked at his resume about a month ago. His name is Tim, and he is a, a brother up on the wall. He's the editor of Outlaw Patriot News, and he has been writing and posting articles about this very topic. Where is the church? And so we're just going to bring him on for a moment to talk about some of these articles. I know that, uh, Paul McGuire has, uh, linked a couple of them off of paulmcguire.us. But the majority of Hour One, we're going to bring on Pastor Billy Crone from Las Vegas. Now, I talked to Pastor Billy earlier today. Folks, <laughs> seatbelts, crash helmets, Ephesians 6 armor next Wednesday night. Hour One, Pastor Billy Crone is going to talk about, he's going to give his analysis of where the church is. He's going to talk about what they're doing in Las Vegas, and he's going to talk about about the fact that really... We've got the playbook. It's 64 books, and it usually comes handsomely bound. But unfortunately, not enough of us are looking at it. Hour number two, we're bringing on Pastor David Langford. I had the the blessing to speak with Pastor Langford for a few moments earlier today. And uh, hour number two, Pastor Langford will join... uh, I should mention, by the way, Flip Benham, Pastor Flip Benham and myself, will carry the structure of the show along with Doug and Joe. So in hour one, you've got Flip Benham, myself, Doug, Joe, and Pastor Billy Crone. Yeah, Power and John, two. if I can uh, jump yeah. in here just to let people know so they don't get confused. We've been doing right. Open Lines Wednesday for, I don't know, maybe the last three or four weeks. It's just so people understand, we're still going to do that this week or this next week, 
except for this show that John's talking about will be on Wednesday. We're going to move it to Thursday uh, for this week alone, just so we're because we were unable to bring all these people together except on this Wednesday. Otherwise, we would have kept it open for the phone line shows that we are are doing. But we will continue to do the open phone lines. It'll be Thursday next week, and it will go back to Wednesday, where it will stay after that. But yeah, go ahead, John. Well, by the way, I listened to you know, last night's show in archive this morning. You know, I, it ne- I am never, I am never unimpressed by our brothers and sisters and their calls. I mean, it's just, I know we've talked about it a lot, but great, great calls last night, folks. Um, anyway, uh, hour number one, Pastor Billy Crone out of Las Vegas. Hour number two, get ready for this. It's a tag team. Pastor David Langford and Pastor Flip Venom are going to dig deeper into the analysis of where the church is today and how these internet shows serve and nourish the remnant body, but also, as I said, where they fall short. And and it's incumbent upon all of us to realize that that the shows that Doug and Joe they can't cover all of it. We've got it's up to us not to forsake fellowship. Hour number three, we're gonna be bringing on Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer. Folks, he has known Pastor Flip Denham for twenty five years and the two of them are going to break out the big hammers. They're going to drop them on the anvil, and we're just going to let the sparks fly. Coach Dave, let me tell you, I talked to Coach Dave yesterday. He, he's always fired up, but he's really off the chain right now. So next Wednesday, April 27th, where is the church? Are the epistles lost in the mail? And we're going to hear from Pastor Billy Crone, Pastor David Langford, Pastor Flip Benham. I'll be uh, present as well. And, uh, and then we're going to bring in Coach Dave to get the troops riled up. Sounds like a fantastic lineup, and it will be a, a great show. Yeah, indeed. Um, John, if I can go back, uh, we've got a couple of, uh, couple of questions about your knowledge about, uh, about Prince. And, and you've done a great, you've done a great job with respect to, uh, showcasing next week. That, that's going to be a great show. Thank you. Let me, let me, let me go back here because we've got a couple of listener questions based on your proximity to, well, you're, uh, uh, being part of Hollywood here. And knowing some of the ins and outs with respect to Prince, uh, Hannah Ford, Hannah Ford, uh, actually a, a listener states that uh, her band shared a stage with her when she was uh, 18. Um, she, uh, this listener writes, I fear for her now that she's been with Prince for the past few years. Do you know, is Hannah Ford okay? Is, you know, do you know Hannah Ford? Uh, Okay, uh, here's the deal. It's a contentious, it's a contentious topic. As I said, Hollywood doesn't like Prince. Uh, what's the, uh, what's, I'm sorry, can you, is it? Hannah, Hannah Ford, Hannah Ford. Okay, um, I, I have an email established for these types of questions. Um, understand that when you talk about some of this stuff, you're, you're direct, you're standing in direct defiance of Warner Brothers. Uh, Doug, with your permission, I'll give an email that she can direct that question to, and I'll answer it in a one-on-one on, in the email. I'm sure, sorry to do that sure. to the rest of the listeners, but I've got to, you know, I, I've got to stay, I've got to stay healthy. <laughs> um, okay, go ahead. I get that. To, okay, so she can email me, and we're gonna, I'm gonna touch on this at the top of next hour. Most importantly, I want to tell the story about obedience. But email me at. We're starting a new show, by the way, and I'll, I'll touch on that next hour. Email me at info, info at brothersonthewall.com info at brothersonthewall.com and just put in the subject line Hollywood question or question for John and I will answer that tomorrow. You'll have an answer by this time tomorrow evening. 
All right. Very good. I'm, I'm sorry to do that. I know it's a little bit of a cop-out, but I, I have to be very careful. Again, you're talking, when you talk about Prince, you're talking about Warner Brothers, period. And I, I've got to, I've got to be careful, guys. Sorry right. about that. No, no, not a problem at all. No, no worries. No worries whatsoever. Okay. Uh, so good. So we, we've talked about, uh, we talked about next week's show. It's going to be good. We've talked about the, uh, Hollywood aspect with Prince. We're about three minutes to the top of the hour. Um, any closing thoughts this hour on, um, on the, on the, uh, oh, um, one of our, another one of our listeners writes, uh, let me see here. Two more things here. Um, China, the lady, the, the female wrestler, and also I think porn star passed away today as well. And a third, of course, Doris Roberts, uh, passed away earlier this week, um, beginning of the week, which that saddened me, by the way, folks. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know Doris Roberts outside of what I saw of her in Every, Everyone Loves Raymond. I think that was a sitcom, but, um, uh, she seemed like a nice lady. I don't know her outside of that. I don't know her personally. I do know a couple of actors, but I don't know her. Um, but, you know, anyway. Um, by the way, Hannah Ford is uh, a drummer like Sheila E. is. That's for people who don't know. This according to another emailer. And... um Oh, there was one other thing too I want to mention here. I'm just I'm getting inundated with, like I said, with emails. It's interesting too that um, where is it here? Uh, oh, here it is, right here. Scott writes this: uh, Prince's song, "Don't Let the Elevator Break Us Down." Oh no, let's go. It's prophetic, is it not, that he died allegedly, ostensibly died on an elevator. Yeah, predictive uh, programming they, thoughts. You know? As we come up against the break, they're saying that the, he was treated for an overdose days ago now. Um, Not flu, huh? No, the, hmm. there was some kind of drug overdose involved days before his death. Uh, that's just the, the when latest. we come to the top of the third hour, uh, I just want to talk quickly about, about Michael Jackson's death because these two are so... I don't want to say symbiotic, but they run so parallel. Uh, with regard to Hannah Ford, what I did not say, but I was kind of implying is, uh, let me make a few phone calls tomorrow. I'm willing to do that. Um, you know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to speculate. And, you know, we're, we're talking about people and their reputations here. So let me make a few phone calls tomorrow. And if that, uh, if that, uh, Hagman listener will again just email me at info at brothersonthewall.com, we'll, we'll take care of business. All right. Stay with us, folks. Hagman and the Hagman Report again. Time stamping and date stamping today, April 21st, 2016. And uh, I'd just like to wish my wife a very happy birthday. I know she's listening. And uh, thank you, for, uh, thank you for, for being my wife, putting up with me. We'll be right back with John Robertson after these short messages. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. 
you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the third and final hour of this Thursday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Tonight we're talking about Luciferianism, the death of Prince, the occult. Uh, we are joined by our Hollywood insider, John Robertson, and we're talking about a number of things. Um, the things I mentioned we've already talked about. We're going to get into some more things, uh, including obedience, as well as a new initiative John has coming up. You... Want me to turn over here? You want to say something? No. You, oh, okay. I no. thought you were motioning to me. Anyway, uh, let's oh, get right was, back I into the show. I was motioning, all right, but I wouldn't. Again, not, not about you. we want to wish a happy birthday to Renee, my father's wife. And right. tomorrow, it's his birthday. No, 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 stop that. Folks, you can send your birthday Shh. cards to... No, 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 no. I'll give the cell phone say, number out on a YouTube yeah, video yeah, tonight yeah. after he goes to sleep. That ain't happening. But, no, uh... Seriously, yeah. Uh, no, his wife's birthday is today. His That's birthday right. is tomorrow. No, okay. And uh, we're gonna have a celebration this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. All right. With that, let's get back to our show. We got uh, John Robertson with us. And John, what do you want to open up with this hour? Well, I, thank you so much for holding me over. I've got just a few more things to share with with uh, with our Hagman listeners and. Again, I, I really appreciate the time this evening. Uh, three things. I want to talk just quickly about Michael Jackson's death uh, and how it, it, it... I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but it parallels uh, what happened to Prince. And then I want to just take a quick minute to talk about, as you said, we have a new initiative. Folks, uh, bottom line is, you know, uh, I, I so appreciate your emails, and it's been suggested a number of times, hey, you should do a show. And, it, well... Uh, with support from brothers like Doug and Joe Hagman and, and John B. Wells over on Caravan and, and Paul McGuire and so many others, uh, we're doing exactly that. So I'm going to announce a show that we're going to be bringing to Blog Talk Radio on Saturday nights. Uh, and then lastly, I'm going to tell a story that will take maybe, I don't know, maybe five minutes, maybe seven. I'm going to tell you folks a very personal story about obedience and how it affected me and how hard it was. And 
it is how I met Chance, my, my best friend, my brother from American Survival Wholesale, which is exactly was the first step in my becoming friends, Joe, with uh, your father and yourself and being able to uh, integrate into this world and, and do shows. And, and God blessed me with a, with a platform. Uh, and, uh, and I want to share with the listeners how that happened because it all revolves around Brother Marcus and obedience. And so that's what I'd like to cover for the rest of the time I'm with you tonight. All right. Let's do it. All right, folks, Michael Jackson. Um, I like to try to personalize this as much as I can. So I told this story to a degree at Hear the Watchmen, but Michael Jackson went up against Sony, okay? And you can go on YouTube, and he was very, he was, it was very, it's eerily similar to Prince. Now keep in mind, you're looking at 1982-83. This is the the quintessential pinnacle of Michael Jackson and Prince. He releases Thriller in 82. Uh, Prince releases Purple Rain in, uh, he releases Purple Rain in eight, late 83. The movie is a huge summer blockbuster in the summer of 1984. Uh, but what did these two massive pop stars have in common is interesting. Number one, Prince chooses of all uh, what, what do I call it? Quasi-Christian faiths? Um, uh, Left-field Christian faith? Is it Christian faith? Maybe that's something we should run by Pastor Langford or or Pastor uh, Flip Benham, somebody with, with uh, stronger credentials than I. But Michael Jackson was raised a Jehovah's Witness. As I mentioned in the last hour, Prince in 2001 adopted the Jehovah's Witness faith. He's very public about it. You can go on YouTube and you can listen to him speak about it. But they also went up against the machine, and I am, you know, for over a year now, I've been explaining to you folks, going all the way back to last February, that this Hollywood machine is enormous, and it can cut you up to ribbons and spit you in the gutter, period. Like, like compared to the Hollywood machine, I'm a little ant. That's it. They can squash you like a bug, and the only thing that will protect you from something that authoritative and that forceful is the blood of Christ. Michael Jackson went up against Sony. Prince went up against Warner Brothers, okay? And they also, almost simultaneously, began talking about what I termed, at Here the Watchmen, all roads leading to Babylon. What I mean by that is, they both began to be very public about the chemtrails, the radioactive particulates that they're dumping on our heads. Doug and Joe, I sent you a picture yesterday, I don't know if you saw it, of chemtrails over L.A. yesterday. Uh, in fact, yeah. it's interesting. They, they spray us so heavily, and they see what they do is they spray in the east in the morning with the morning sunrise, and they spray in the west in the afternoon, so it's really hard to get good pictures and video because you're constantly shooting into the sun. Without the proper filters, it's hard to document, but I sent you guys a pretty good picture yesterday, and folks, if, if this picture is indicative of what's going on, these pilots would have to be flying absolutely drunk. That picture was insane. It's, it's just trails all over the sky, corkscrews, and Michael Jackson and Prince began to start hitting back on the chemtrail topic. They both talked about the funny money, the Federal Reserve, fiat, Luciferian currency, scam. Uh, they related it both back to their record companies, again, Sony with Michael Jackson and Warner Brothers with Prince, respectively. And this is what I want to mention about Michael Jackson's death. I think it would be appropriate to give it, you know, 120 seconds here on the day that Prince died. I am one degree removed from the executive producer, one of the executive producers of Passion of the Christ. His name is Stephen McAfee. 
Uh, I worked with his brother uh, for a number of years for Disney, and that family goes back three generations with the Disney family and, in fact, celebrated Christmas with Walt Disney when these, when these guys, Stephen and his brother Joe, were kids. So they're very tightly woven into the Disney fabric. And Stephen McAvity, in 2002-2003, put X, I'm not going to go into exact figures, I, I know the figures, but he put X number of dollars into the production of Passion of the Christ. Uh, Passion of the Christ went on to gross uh, almost $700 million worldwide. Uh, it is the most successful in total gross receipts faith film of all time, the most successful in total gross receipts for uh, per capita dollar spent would be God's Not Dead, the Pure Flix production from two years ago. However, Stephen McAvity, again, executive producer, Passion of the Christ, he made a lot of money off that film. Uh, he did very well, but God, God blessed him mightily. And the next project, Doug and Joe, that he initiated with his team was a film called The Stoning of Sariah M., and this film project, folks, is the most brazen, <clears throat> I almost used another word that probably wouldn't be appropriate, but it is the most brazen, uh, uh, fearless film making in probably the last several decades. What they did was they went to Jordan and they shot a film about quote unquote honor killings among the Muslims. And the story of Sariah, the stoning of Sariah M., is a story about a supposed adulteress who is buried up to her chest in the ground and then her family proceeds to dismember her by hurling, you know, when we hear stoning in the Bible, I think most of us think that, oh, they, they got a, a sack full of pebbles, more like a, a, more like the five smooth stones that David took Goliath down with and they sit there and, 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 you know, badger you and peen you with stones and that's not what stoning is, folks. As this film, The Stoning of Sariah M. demonstrates, Stoning was rolling the biggest boulders you could pick up at somebody and literally crushing their body to death. So they shot this film in Jordan. And then Doug and Joe, they took 100,000 copies of this film and smuggled them into Iran, okay, as a witness against the murderous tyranny of Islam and the little G God, Allah, the, the principality, if you will, over Persia. And the day that since the stoning of Sariah M was released in the U.S., it would have been front page news. Executive producer Passion of the Christ shot surreptitiously in, the, in Jordan. 100,000 copies smuggled into Iran. And Doug and Joe, it's relegated to the back page of the New York Times and the L.A. Times because that morning Michael Jackson was found dead. So, folks, I hope that I have demonstrated through entertainment tonight the greater spiritual battle that you're witnessing as you look at Prince, Michael Jackson, Vanity, etc. Yeah, of course, you know you, you got to report what's important. You know, first page one, and, and then the rest goes behind that. So. Yeah, it's unfortunate how the and I, I will I I do believe today the entertainment industry has now become the conveyor purveyor of news. Um, you get more news through the entertainment through entertainment than you do through the actual news. News has become entertainment. There's this uh, you know flopping flipping flop. Of what's going on? So yeah, you know it's it's sad, but but there it is. 
indeed. So, Absolutely. really, uh, you know, yeah, and, and it's and it is something, uh, uh, John, where um, the Hollywood connection is really. I think people really need again to understand the Hollywood connection to the what we're seeing happen, the current events. You know, Doug, it's so true. And I want to just uh, give a tip of the hat to our brother Rick Wiles over at True News, folks. That's T-R-U-N-E-W-S, truenews.com. And uh, also uh, John B. Wells at Caravan to Midnight. They both interviewed Mike Norris last week, who is Chuck Norris's son. And, uh, folks, if you have a, a moment, if you can take a moment out of your schedules, check out that True News with Mike Norris or and or Caravan to Midnight, again, with Mike Norris. They both aired last week. True News was early in the week, and and, uh, Caravan uh, had Mike on later in the week. And Mike Norris is a a professed born-again Christian. He uh, attempted to shoot family-friendly films in Hollywood. Uh, Much like myself, uh, he was quickly uh, given the boot, given the big silver boot, silver screen boot, and uh, he now uh, produces films in Austin, Texas. Uh, he uses all Austin, Texas film crew, pre-production, production, actual principal photography, and post-production. In fact, he said that he, he the only uh, connection he has to Hollywood, there's nothing financial. Occasionally, they rent equipment. That part I can completely understand. He's got a new film coming out called Amerigeddon. And I've seen the trailer. I, I don't know Mike Norris personally. But if you folks are interested in that dynamic that I speak on these shows about, that that push and pull between the Luciferian agenda and God, who is the father of our inspiration, you know, God loves us so much that he touched us with the divine spark of creativity that he himself authored when he made the world and, and made us. That's how much he loves us. He gives us that divine spark of creativity. People like... Doug and Joe Hagman and JB and Rick Wiles and, and, and in as much as I'm able to participate, we are trying to utilize that creativity to to build and to support uh, the the remnant body. Now, as I said last hour, Christ will build his church. Yeah, well, let me so jump in there because please. this is important uh, with uh, Mr. Norris as well. Uh, the man behind the film, Amerigeddon, his name is Gary Haven. And we had Gary Haven on our program here a couple of weeks ago now. And Gary Haven is, is the, he, he appears in the film, but he's the director. He's or the, 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 the man behind the film. I mean, he wrote the film. He's executive producer. Thank you. I couldn't remember the title. He also uh, wrote it, yeah. Yeah. And he, I think he had a, a small appearance in it. But, uh, Gary Haven, uh, you talk about a godly man and one who really wants to show what's taking place in this country and uh, how he's and Hollywood has really not not allowed him to um, not allowed him I, I want to be careful with what I'm saying you know like you because I don't want to give, I don't want to misspeak, but, but the bottom line, there's such an antagonism toward Christian based filmed, films. And Gary Haven really put a lot on the line for Amerigeddon. Amerigeddon is, is really a must see film. And, uh, yeah, it's, so, I, I said that because having, knowing Mr. Haven, um, 
through this program. Um, you got to see it, you, you, folks. You've got to see Amerigan. John, is that out in theaters? I I, I know it's out in, in Texas. LA. What's that? Not in L.A., brother. Amerigan no. has got Amerigan has got the full force of the satanic army, a.k.a. Hollywood. And again, folks, go back into the Hagman archives to last June. Uh, what was it? Maybe June 24th, 25th. We talked a lot that night, Doug and Joe, about the uh, origin of Hollywood, where the name comes from. I mean, it was Luciferian from its inception. And, uh, and I do not know Gary Haven, nor have I had the pleasure yet of meeting Mike Morris, but... I tip my hat to these gentlemen because they're standing on the front line. Now, Gary Haven, understand, well, they both are. They're both well-established. Mike Norris uh, directed a bunch of episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger. Uh, and Gary Haven uh, is, uh, for lack of a better word, but by Hollywood definition, he's big time. Um, but they are doing something that, folks, it's so hard to do. And, Doug, with your permission, it segues into the last two things I wanted to cover tonight because this is where we're at. I know that when I get to join you guys, that, that we get to speak to so many people, not only across the country, but all over the world, who are who are, are grinding their teeth when they sleep at night. God, Lord God, what would you have me do? What would you have me do? I'll lace up my boots. I'll sharpen my knife. I'll grab my Bible. What would you have me do? And folks, it, 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 uh, Brother Flip shared this with me last week, and I know it's in Proverbs 16 somewhere, and I'm going to butcher this horribly because I don't have my Bible in front of me. I'm sorry to admit. Uh, but, you know, it says that essentially man makes his plans, okay, but the Lord orders his steps. And so I would encourage everyone who can hear my voice tonight, pray this simple prayer. Father God, I believe that you created me for a purpose. I know I'm a sinner. Order my steps. You don't have to come up with some beautiful, you know, six stanza Hallmark card prayer. Just tell the Lord you trust him and ask him to order your steps, and you just sit back and watch what happens. And that being said, uh, <laughs> we're launching a show, as I said, on Saturday nights, 4 o'clock Pacific on Blog Talk Radio. It is the effort and the endeavor of myself and our brother in the Lord, Mike Kerr, who many of you will recognize as one of the coordinators, along with his wife, Jeannie, of, uh, of Hear the Watchmen uh, from Dallas last, uh, last month. But anyway, we're going to do this show, and we're going to do this show because the opportunity is in front of us, and we, we're praying on it uh, daily, and we just believe that the Lord has blessed us with the various pieces that we need to put this together. Uh, Doug and Joe, the, the show is called Brothers on the Wall, and it will debut on Saturday, May 14th at 4 o'clock Pacific on Blog Talk Radio. And praise God, we've got uh, L.A. Marzulli confirmed for our debut show. Uh, and just to sort of uh, tease the folks a little bit, uh, for the subsequent shows, we are in conversation with Paul McGuire, and we have a commitment as well from Pastor Paul Begley. So Brothers on the Wall is going to be an organic, open platform. And you mentioned your Wild Wednesdays last hour, Joe. And what we want to do is take that spirit and run with it. Part of what we're going to do with Brothers on the Wall is we are looking for, we're reaching out to community watchmen, to people who are in their communities right here and now, serving as as foot soldiers in the army of God, serving as watchmen within their community. We're not looking for the big, important people. We're not looking for the president of the bank. We're looking for the volunteer at the food bank. We want to hear from 
people who are picking up the neighborhood kids, Doug and Joe, and getting them to Sunday school on Sundays. We want to hear from people who are taking time away from their families to bless the elderly couple across the street, whether it's helping them paint their house or clean out their garage or just making sure that they're getting a, a, a nutritious meal now and again. So we want to hear from you folks, and one of the big parts of Brothers on the Wall, as the name would indicate, is we want to bring all of our brethren, brothers and sisters, up onto the wall so that they can testify. You know, Scripture tells us to, to testify. And we're going to open that platform up in a very organic manner, much the same way, Doug and Joe, that you have done through the years with the Hagman and Hagman Report. You know, folks, uh, if Doug and Joe did not open up such an enormous part of their show to people like myself, then I would still be where I was in 2012, and that was listening to them every night. I had no friends. I mean, zero. I had no friends. I would go to Warner Brothers every day. I worked on Pretty Little Liars at the time, and I had nobody to talk to. I used to call my mom, breathless. You're never going to guess what I just learned about the Federal Reserve. And, oh, if you look at Israel, it's this and it's that. And I found Doug and Joe through Steve Quayle. But my point is that if they, if they didn't offer their platform to people like myself or people like Maria Canise or Chance and so many of us and that and create that and give us that trust factor then I would still be where I was three years ago literally no friends no means of communicating what's happening in Hollywood no means of doing shows like we did on December 21st Doug and Joe where we brought uh, Shelley Clegg and Catherine Hearn on and they talked about their post-abortive testimonies you know you want to talk about power and about being being blessed, folks. After that December 21st show, I laid on my bed that night and cried because I was getting emails. My phone was blowing up with emails from people, from women I've never met and probably never will meet, who said, thank you, praise God, I'm taking, I'm carrying my baby to term. And after we got off that show that night, Doug and Joe, December 21st, 2015, when we got done with that show, I literally laid on my bed and wept because I was like, God, how can you be so incredible? Like, how can you just pour blessing down upon us? I mean, who am I? And no offense, but who are Doug and Joe? You know, we're just men. And, and to be frank, we're all, we're, we're all just repentant sinners. But when you get an email from someone that you've never met, and they say, thank you, I'm carrying my baby to term, there are babies that will be born in the next few months because God blesses his obedient children. And that being said, Doug and Joe, I'm going to tell a story that I'm a little nervous about telling, but I just feel like the Hagman family needs to hear this. I'm going to talk about obedience and talk a little bit about my own sin. And uh, I have not be, told be, this story be, publicly yeah. before. All right. Before you do that, I just want to, I just want to mention, um, before we get too far off the path here, um, in, in case people have to drop <laughs> off, uh, I want to mention that I, I just got received an email from Anna. Thank you so much. The film that we talked about uh, here, Amerigeddon, mm -hmm. it should be out in select theaters beginning on May thirteenth, two 2016. So, folks, go ahead and write that down, Amerigeddon. Uh, that is must-see cinematography, must-see must -see movie, Amerigeddon, Gary Haven, the man behind that, and that should be out in select theaters beginning on May 13th, 2016, uh, where we fully stand behind that film. And that's an official statement from the Hagman and Hagman Report, uh, Amerigeddon, May 13th, 2016, Select Theaters. Thank you, Anna.
go ahead uh go ahead and uh and continue switch gears and Away well, we go. Doug, thank you so much. And uh, I just want to, you know, for what it's worth, folks, I'm putting the, the, the full weight of my of my name and, and participation behind that as well. You can you can see the trailer for Amerigeddon uh, online. Um, I think it's just Amerigeddon.com or maybe it's Amerigeddon the movie. And it's just like it sounds. It's uh, A-M-E-R-I-G-E-D-D-O-N, just like a, combining America and Armageddon. Um, and God bless Mike Norris and, and, uh, and Gary Haven for, for their bravery. Again, they are big-time filmmakers and television directors, but they are being blessed through their obedience. Now, Doug and Joe, to, to conclude my participation tonight on the show, I'm going to tell this story quickly. Uh, and this is a, it's a difficult story to tell, but it is about, it's not about me. It's not about Brother Marcus, Curtis, or Chance, although we are all in the story, but it's about obedience. Uh, in late 2013, I had already been on the Hagman and Hagman Report who knows how many times, but I mean, I used to, I used to call you guys and bug you constantly. And that's sort of how we became acquainted throughout 2012, 2013. And for those of you that have been with the show for a while, you remember that brother Marcus Samuel, brother Marcus, you know, he was living this faith walk kind of the way that Henry Groover does, you know, or, or the way that Dimitri Dudeman, Michael Bodea's grandfather did where you got the impression from Brother Marcus that, that he was up there on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota ministering to the Lakota Sioux Indian Nation. And, and you got the impression when you heard him speak that, that when he woke up on a given Wednesday morning, he didn't even necessarily know what he was going to do that day. Okay, technically, but he knew he was going to serve the Lord. Maybe they were going to gather firewood for somebody or clear out somebody's trailer or figure out a way to get a, a family that was broken freezing some propane. Folks, I've been in South Dakota in the winter, and that is doing the Lord's work. So Brother Marcus and Curtis, his spiritual son, uh, himself, Lakota Sioux, began a show uh, that many of you may remember called Pine Ridge Warriors. And I want to I want to just say God bless Curtis, and I know Brother Marcus is with the Lord, but uh, we are sort of, we're just tipping the hat to them, because we will be on Blog Talk Radio one hour earlier than their time slot on Saturdays, and and God bless them for their effort, because it made a huge difference in my life, Doug and Joe. And what happened was this. I had a, a, a dependence on a medication at that time that is sort of a halfway point between being dependent on pain medication and being completely free of that pharmacia. And I was really embarrassed by it. I kept it quiet. I never told anybody about it, but it was ruining my life. I was spending over $1,000 a month on it. I was doctor shopping, and I was turning into a nervous wreck uh, taking this particular medication. And, you know, I didn't want anybody to know because I was awake. I was engaged. I would speak with you guys on the air. I was sober when I was on the air, but that was the thing about this medication. And I talked about it on Caravan uh, in late January with John B. Wells. Not this story, but the medication. You don't get high from it. It just keeps you from getting super sick through pain pill withdrawal. I want to be clear about that. Imagine how powerful and potent a weapon Satan can apply to somebody who wants to do God's work to get to, to, to get you physically dependent on something that doesn't get you high. You have to take it just so that you don't get sick. So you're, 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 this thing has got a, a, a pharmacia chokehold on you. But but it doesn't, quote-unquote, give you what other medications would in the sense that you're abusing them to get high. It just enables you to maintain an equilibrium, quote-unquote, so that you're not incredibly ill. 
Well, my grandmother died in 2013, and I was asked in her home at her uh, memorial service to pray uh, uh, for her spirit and over her memory. There were about 40 people gathered in her home. I mean, I had on a jacket and tie and the whole thing, and I was still taking the medication. This is uh, this was December 14th, 2013. And I said a prayer to all gathered, and the family pastor asked me to pray. And I left that day, and I felt like such a dirty hypocrite. I was like, man, I just threw down a prayer mightily in my deceased grandmother's living room, a home that I've known since the day I was born. And yet what nobody in that room knows is that the devil's got a chokehold on me. Did my prayer even hit heaven? I don't even know. I drove back to L.A. that day, and I, I shed a tear. That was December 14, 2013. Flash forward five days, December 19, 2013. I, I decided I'm not going to live this way anymore. And I said, I pulled the car over in a gas station. I said a prayer. I asked the Lord to, to deliver me from this. And I stopped taking the medication. That was December 19th. I got so sick, so incredibly sick. I thought for sure I was going to die. I went through six or seven days of bone cracking, writhing pain. I would, I would, I would writhe around on my bed night and day, chills and aches, and it was horrible. I went through all kinds of weird spiritual stuff, but I just kept crying out to God. And whenever I could actually make my phone work, I would listen to Derek Prince and I would listen to him, to him instruct us on, on deliverance. And I knew, I knew I was going to make it through. And the Holy Spirit even came and ministered to me. Uh, in a direct way, I was praying for relief on my physical body, and I could feel this sensation of like fingers massaging my muscles that were just absolutely twisted like rubber bands about to pop. So about 10 days into this, I was sick, really sick for 25 days, but the first six or seven were the worst. So about 10 days into it, Saturday night rolls around, and it's time for Pine Ridge Warriors. It's only the second or third week that the show was up. And Brother Marcus, God bless his soul, he was doing a teaching, Doug and Joe, on the fivefold ministry from the book of Acts, okay? And he was in the middle of this great teaching talking about how the only noted evangelist in the Bible that Jesus noted as evangelist was Philip. That's what he was saying. And Brother Marcus jumped on the brakes, and he said, folks, I'm sorry, but, but, but the Holy Spirit is ministering to me right now, and there is a brother listening to this show who is under the complete and total demonic uh, um, influence of pharmakia and feels like he's fighting for his life. And if you, if brother, whoever you are out there, I want you to call the show right now. I'm going to pray deliverance over you. Obey what God is saying here now. Doug and Joe, I'm laying on my bed. I'm pouring sweat. I'm super scared. My heart's pounding like a cannon. I've already been on the Hagman and Hagman report as a caller, like, I don't know how many times, dozens and dozens. The last thing I want to do, the last thing I want to do is go on Pine Ridge Warriors and talk to basically the same audience and, and admit this sin. And I couldn't do it. I was like, Lord, I can't do this. And God said, yes, you will. And I said, no, Lord, I can't do it. I'm, I'm afraid and I'm nervous and I'm sick. And he said to me, clear as day, and it wasn't audible, but it was in my spirit. He was like, I've carried you through this, and I will carry you through the rest of it, but you will obey me. And man, my hands were shaking, and I picked up the phone. I could barely call the number to talk to Brother Marcus and, and Curtis, but I called. Curtis couldn't believe it. He puts me on the air. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so nervous, I can almost not talk. And I just said, Brother Marcus, I'm, it's me, I'm the guy. I could tell Brother Marcus had to scoop his jaw up off the counter. And he prayed over me, Doug and Joe, and he prayed a prayer of deliverance, and something happened at that moment in my bedroom back in late December 2013. 
something exploded in my chest. It felt like a, an explosion of needles went boom all through my body. And from that moment forward, praise God, the sickness began to abate. Now, how does this have anything to do with talking to you tonight or with Brothers on the Wall or HH Connections last year or any of the rest of it? Folks, the next person to call Pine Ridge Warriors that night was Chance from American Survival Wholesale. And he does not like, he does not particularly like talking on the radio, although he's doing a great job on Tuesday uh, with, the, with the survival tips. But especially back then, he did not like being on the radio. And he said essentially, Brother John from Pasadena, uh, please email me at American Survival Wholesale. We live down the street from one another, and I've been meaning to, to reach out to you for like several months. So, folks, I, without thinking, again, handshaking, still pretty nervous, you know, but nonetheless delivered by Brother Marcus's prayer, by the Holy Spirit. I sent that email to Chance, and we got together at a Starbucks the following Saturday, and we spent like about eight or nine hours at Starbucks getting to know one another. And we became the best of friends, and that led to my connection with American Survival Wholesale. It led to Chance and his wife, Merrill, who's, again, one of my best friends, uh, going to the Whitestone Remnant Conference in Bozeman uh, six months after this time of sickness for me. I got baptized by Pastor Langford and Steve Quayle. I'm telling you, man, when they immersed me in that water and I came back up, it was just like the coolest thing. I'll never forget it. And so I just... It, it's hard to tell that kind of story tonight, you know, but at the same time, yeah. I just want everybody that heard it to understand that if you're obedient, like imagine, imagine what a huge disservice that I would have done. Forget about a disservice to me, to John Robertson. What a huge disservice I would have done to, to God's plan for my life. If I had laid there on my bed, Doug and Joe, and I had been obstinate and disobedient, I wouldn't be speaking to you guys right now. That's right. Very well said, John. And obedience comes in numerous forms, and, and we need to be obedient um, as Christians, but as, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. And, and I would urge everyone to understand that the, really where we are, time is short. Let's, let's get our acts together collectively, individually. And, and let's uh, push forward. But uh, well said. Great and it takes testimony. a lot of courage to talk about yeah. that kind of stuff yeah. on air. I Indeed. mean, I know how that that past and history is, and I know how hard it is to to get into that. Um, but you're yeah. coming from a position of, of victory, which we should be very thankful for. And uh, That's right. we appreciate you sharing that. Yep. It's it's my pleasure to do so, and, and gentlemen, I'm gonna I'm gonna punch out of here in a second. But I just want to say, as, as a concluding remark, first of all, thank you for letting me get personal for a few moments. I hope that that the Holy Spirit ministered to to someone out there. In fact, I, I, I'm almost certain that you'll hear from someone who who can really relate to that story. Because at the end of the day, folks, it's not about me. It's not about Doug and Joe or JB or Steve Quayle or Paul McGuire or any of us. Man, we are all just repentant sinners I've said this on the show before my hands are on the same oar in the same boat as Doug's and Joe's and Chance's and the people I met at here the Watchmen and at Whitestone folks we are all on the same we're all in the same boat and all we got to do is get shoulder to shoulder and row in the same direction and like I said a few minutes ago you don't have to have some incredibly mighty hallmark prayer just tell the Lord you trust him and ask him to order your steps and then be obedient 
and then sit back and watch what happens. Amen. There you go. John, thank you so much. All right. God bless bless you. you All right, man. All right. Good night. Very good. Very good. All right. John Robertson again? Yeah. Yeah, and I do. I, I, keeping with the Luciferian uh, plot, I, I, I sorry, we we just have to cover a lot of ground here. Um, I, Drudge did link to a video with uh, Prince Dick Gregory and, on chemtrails and manganese. It's uh, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting only because, um, as I as I had indicated before, we're getting our news now in the entertainment venue and this is exhibit a perhaps in that respect so here you have uh prince who's a musician basically a celebrity entertainer whatever you want to call him and dick gregory talking about uh, uh, uh both chemtrails and uh and uh manganese but but the fact of the matter is this is entertainment this is not news it should be news but it's features featured as entertainment and of course you've got somebody that likes a prince say what you will about the man but the message is clear so that's interesting um and again it shows you the the flip-flop between the uh entertainment world and the news world now um. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I you know I just again sorry I just wanted to make that it, it's it's almost stunning it's a stunning reversal of of the way things should be, folks. That's what I'm getting at, and we we need to you know what Joe we need to really shine the spotlight harder, and, and I and I think this is where and and I I don't know. In retrospect, as we as as I as I took inventory today, when I was out of the studio and out of the office, and uh, took managed to take a walk with my wife and my dog, I was introspective in saying, you know, what can we do? Be what can we be doing better? What do we need to shed more light on? What what? Because we we're given this platform, Joe. We cannot squander this opportunity because if we do, if we fail at what we're doing here today, we're not going to have it. That's right. You know, so if we if we waste, squander, we're not going to have it. And and, and I, I just want to reach out to each and every listener out there um, tonight. And, and just say thank you because you know again you hit a point in your life you start thinking about your mortality and everyone goes through this maybe I don't know you become introspective and you think okay what? it's not because you're turning 70 tomorrow is it <laughs> so, <laughs> 70 uh, you know, kids <laughs> No. I'm telling you what. Uh, 60. Uh, 45 is in 345. No, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But, but seriously, um, and, and I think that's where we all have to, at this point in our lives, if you're listening to this, if you're part of our audience and you're, and you've hung in with us in this program this far, see, I gave the, the dog the a toy, dog. studio dog lady a toy. She heard me. She was laying quietly in the office until I mentioned her name and she comes out with her toy. Um, 
But if, if you've hung with us this far, then I think, I, I, I do believe that you're, you're part of the remnant and you're part of the, uh, you're, you're searching for that solution. You're searching for that truth. You're searching for that, that, uh, uh, oh, that, I, I don't even know how to describe it except to say that you're, you're, you really want to be able to make a difference, not just in your own life, but in other people's lives. And for that, I thank you. And for, the, for tuning into our program, we thank you. But for your own initiatives, your own actions, that's what we want to assist you with. And I think that's the gap that we have to fill as our program. You know, I often say, and I often refer to this, that uh, a, a certain well-known talk show host, uh, tongue-in-cheek says, you know, the purpose of, of the callers is to make the host look good. I, I, I think the opposite. The purpose, our purpose, is to make the callers look good. Not look good, but but actually help the callers, help the people, help the listeners, provide information of substance. And this is coming from the heart. Um, We talked about, we spent tonight's program talking about the Luciferian influence in Hollywood and in the entertainment industry, and it's huge. And our young people are, are entranced by it. Our young people are subjugated by it. Our young people, and even some of the middle age, and I dare say even some of my age, being the oldest person in the studio here, are still uh, captivated and held hostage by this. We have to break free of this. We have to start asking the more difficult questions. We have to talk intellectually about the about the things that don't make sense. To us, we have to recognize just because we don't believe it or doesn't make sense to us, that doesn't mean it's not true or other people don't believe it. We have to get down to the nitty-gritty. We have to take our faith out of men, put it in God. And and for the longest time, you know, I was of the opinion that um, showing my faith was a sign of my weakness when, in fact, it's not. It's the other way around. Failure to do so is a sign of weakness. We have to go out and we have to say, this is good, this is bad, this is, and thank you, lady. She agrees. You can, you can hear her. Actually, um, uh, we do have, uh, we do have people coming into the studio and, uh, we, we do take care of business at times, uh, this late at night. Uh, hi, John. How you doing? <clears throat> you want to share the mic? No. No? All right. Uh, at any rate, uh, uh, we must, and, and, I, and I truly believe this, we must, we, we must, uh, gird up and we must fight the fight. We must, we must say, look, um, we have to make that decision to support those who are telling the truth, who are providing the truth, who are speaking out for, for people like the unborn. People like Coach Dave Dobmeyer are out there every day in the front lines. We have to we have to take a stand. We have to take a stand against the perversion of our rights and our freedoms. Eric the Tech, his initiative, creating Tech Nation report and spin and exposing the uh, the surveillance apparatus 
that's employed against us. We all have to take these individual initiatives. And even if, I don't care if you're 70 or 17 listening to this program, we have to pick up the mantle of, of our own leadership, of leadership within our own families. And even if you are a single woman or a man with a family, let's do it. And, um, and even more so, I've gotten a lot of emails about this show, something we mentioned earlier about the potential. You know, could we possibly at some point in the future be a part of a, a, um, opt out or, or a, a boycotting of, uh, airlines, whether it be for a day or a couple of days or a week, say, can we be behind this boycott? You know, are we large enough? Can we make a difference? Where we can actually challenge the TSA from our position and gather enough support and, and say, people, we're not going to fly. And can we make that difference? I, I don't know if we can. We can be the, the voice that tries to inspire that difference, but we can't make the well, decisions right. for each and every individual person out there. Exactly. But And I know we have enough listeners, but do we have enough listeners who are willing to make that change and to, and to and to sign on to something like that because our demographics show we've got the listeners the question is do we have the listeners who will go forth and initiate and be part of something like that to say no during this day or this week or this period of time we're not going to fly in fact we're not only are we not going to fly we're going to tell everyone the reasons why we're not going to fly and that is to to um Go against the the the, uh, the tyranny that is the TSA. In that respect alone, can we make a difference? And if we can make a difference in that arena, can we make a difference perhaps in other areas? Because we have to become instead of. And I get emails too. We get emails. Well, you're preaching to the choir. Well, okay, choir, let's sing. And by singing, I'm saying let's take a stand. Let's go from a, a path, the, the passive nature of listening and, and even talking behind a microphone. Let's be proactive. Let's see what kind of a difference we can make. But we have to do something because if we don't do anything, our children and our grandchildren will look upon our graves not with pride, but with disgust and say, what did you do? What did you do? You did nothing? Here we are. Or maybe you tried. You did what you could, and we thank you for that. Because at the end of the day, you know, I was talking with Pastor Langford and Steve Quayle, at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, what what have we left? What difference do we make? Now, mothers, fathers, I mean, obviously, we've got that legacy as a mom or a dad. It doesn't matter if you work in a steel mill or if you work in a fast food restaurant. If you are a good parent, you are, I mean, you, everyone is somebody. But if you're a good, if you're a good parent, that's a, that's a great legacy to leave behind. But can we step out and do a little bit more? Do we have that time? 
one wonders if we do have that time. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife did come to the studio, and since she's here, and I know she was listening earlier, Let's I did get the camera uh, on her. Should, should we get the camera on her? I just want to say happy birthday, and thank you for being my wife, and thank you for putting up with me. So you want, you, yeah, huh? no, no. Oh, that was uncalled for. <laughs> I'm kidding, folks. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but uh, but thank you. But, but see, th- this is a position I believe we have to take, and um, if we don't do it, then shame on us. If we do it and we don't hit the mark, we fail. We don't. We 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 come short. Uh, okay, at least we were in the game. At least we were playing that position. But let's do something. And again, to the Christians out there who say, well, you know, we have to follow a certain pattern of activity. Yeah, I understand the Christianity aspect of it. I understand how we have to conform, we have to stay true to the Word of God. On the other hand, that doesn't mean we have to lie down, lay down, and not do anything for fear of, of breaching some sort of religious or um, is that the right word, religious? You know, re- religious uh, uh, tenant. Mm-hmm. We must put our best foot forward. We must we must act. And we must and if we can act, if we are in, in, impaired, infirmed, or otherwise uh, unable then we must support those who do in prayer and in action or in prayer and in, in whatever, in any way possible. But that's my takeaway from all of this. And, you know, um, at, again, just in closing, everyone is looking toward the 2016 presidential elections, and it, 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 it really grieves me when I look at the, the various forums and I see... Let's make America great again. Oh, sure. Everyone wants to do that. But no one wants it, or it seems what's absent from that is the, the spirituality, is the moral and biblical foundation for the, for rebuilding America. Because what has been torn away from this country, the prayer, the legitimization, not legalization, but legitimization of homosexuality. The approval and tolerance of infanticide and the killing of the unborn. And I'm not reading from any script. I don't know if I'm making sense. But what we need to do, and we're only going to have one shot at this, I feel, we need ourselves to repent, but we also need to lose whatever fears we might have, to step out, and we need to act. Failure to act, to me, is not only shameful and sinful, but it's um, it's inexcusable. Failure to support through prayer. It's inexcusable. Because again, 
you might only be thinking about yourself. You can't do that. We have to think about our children and their children. Because I, I, I see people, I see Christians who, who are so legalistic and so, so critical. So critical of others. Because they, they dare step out and, and they, they, they attempt to make a difference. That's your legacy. That's what you're going to live with. If that's okay with you, all right, so be it. If if you can sleep at night, you know, good for you. But I'll tell you something else. I'll I'll just tell you this. That ain't my DNA. You know, we're facing a crisis. Not, not a crisis. We're facing a series of attacks. We're, we're facing deficits. We're facing... We're behind right now. Oh, we, we, we have a good platform. We build up a, a good platform. But our support is dwindling. So be it. But that's not going to stop us. It might slow us down a tad. It's not going to stop us. Reminds me, I might be late to the studio tomorrow. I got that armored car job. Um. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you know, always end on a high note. But, but folks, let's look. Let's understand that we're in this together. We better, we better understand the lateness of the hour. We have to work through the problems. We have to work through them together. We better embrace other Christians and look forward to what is ahead because we have to fight together against the tyranny, against the censorship, against the, the, the harassment that we are facing and will face that will exp- become exponentially worse. And if you want to be on, on our team, on that team, on the team that's going forward, and fighting that, welcome aboard. Buckle up, gird up, and get ready. Yeah. If you want to be on the other side. Tomorrow night, Dr. Ted Brewer will be our guest. Dr. Ted Brewer, we're going to have another uh, just fantastic information-packed show as we did last week, uh, last Friday night. If you missed the show and you want a great run up till tomorrow listen to last friday show with ted brewer we're going to have another home run hit it right out of the park this friday with ted thank you global star radio network and all the listeners out there till then this is the global star radio network